It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between, we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. You guys, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Thursday episode where we do a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City line-by-line recap. Oh my goodness, oh my gracious. It uh, It is just a mess of a season. I'm starting to watch this season almost like it's a murder mystery. I feel especially tense when they're in Bermuda because we know this eventually leads up to the scene that we saw in the trailer the the scene that we saw in the trailer where <laughs> where where Heather pushes a cameraman over and like gets into the bathroom and finds out some sort of information and i think i don't know if this is misdirection or not but we are led to believe that this is potentially about monica potentially about monica in some fashion and there's been so much stuff that has come out since including the beauty lab and laser uh lawsuit that happened between Beauty Lab and Laser and Monica, who is now countersuing for botched injections. Um, so I look at this Bermuda trip and I'm just, I feel like there's going to be an assassination attempt. I feel like I'm just, I'm tense the entire time, even when they're all getting along, even when, you know, I just feel like looking over my shoulder and we're going to get into this because this episode continued on social media last night between Monica and you guessed it, Vovo, Monica's mom popping up into the conversation. And it is one of those things where I love reality television. I do. And I do like mess, obviously, because I do love reality television. But sometimes I'm like, you know what? Save it for the show. I don't know if I want to see it, especially this close to the holidays. Like actually call each other, talk about it. You don't need to tweet full conversations at us. Um, you know what I'm saying? You don't need to do that because it just makes me feel even grosser. And I feel like guys work this shit out on your own time. Um, and I, and I do, I will say Monica is, is just such an onion. I don't really know what to believe. I'm waiting to kind of see these episodes, but there is so much speculation about her right now. But I keep holding true to the fact that Monica is an excellent housewife. And especially if you take into account this is her first season. I mean, this is really, really amazing. But yes, I do not think we've scratched the surface on everything that we should or will know about Monica Garcia, good and bad. And I think it's very telling that, you know, they all are there for her birthday in Bermuda. And then six months later, Six or seven months later, they're not even, they don't, they're, none of them are speaking to her except for Mary Cosby. (laughs) Mary Cosby does count for like five people though. And Jesus, obviously. So that's six people in Monica's corner, but something happened so bad on top of this is also an espionage thriller. There is potential cyber crimes happening. Actual cyber crimes, folks. Lisa Barlow has a cybersecurity team. She has Geek Squad working for the Barlows. 
this lady must have like negative zero dollars in her account because she has a staff of, I think the last count was like 320 people between the eight lawyers, the cybersecurity team, the Vita Tequila team, the, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, think about the Lisa Barlow holiday party just for her staff alone. Can you imagine it's just all lawyers and cybersecurity teams just chugging, chugging Vita Tequila? Um, but I will say I get more and more confused as these episodes go on. I love it. But it's also an example that we always talk about here is these ladies, they they're they're very thin friendships. This isn't a friend group that was, you know, this isn't the sisterhood of the traveling pants, you know. I mean, if anything, it'd be the sisterhood of the fucked up sunglasses. My God, let's chill on the sunglasses. You know, before a season starts, so they go, let me get the weirdest sunglasses that I've ever seen because they'll pop on screen. Heather Gay come out there looking like Spider-Man for half the I was like, what is going on? And it's just like I blame the Kardashians mainly. The Kardashians will literally they'll put like a bumper on their face and call it a sunglass. And then that gets passed down to other people thinking it's cool. But like, my God, I just sat there thinking like, is Heather Gay about to fight crime or is she a supervillain herself? I, I mean, I was like, Monica was crying about not being able to go to her family's place in Bermuda. And I just kept looking at Heather thinking like, what the hell's going on? Like, I think I saw my own reflection in those glasses. It was that, that big. It was that big, you guys. Oh my goodness. So those are just some initial thoughts. We'll talk about a couple of other things before we get into the recap. And uh, remember, I'll put a timestamp on where the actual recap starts. Uh, I do want to share a couple of things because in some ways, this is my, uh, this is my journal, my girl journal, my girl, my, my podcasting journal. Um, and I try to talk about things that I don't necessarily have figured out in my own head or things that are, that, things that are things that are too big for me, you know, like I'm able to, I'm able to be private about things, some things, but like some things I just, it's too big. Like it's too big. I can't, it's hard. And I know, you know, it always helps me to to share these things. And I've obviously, I, I talk about her all the time, my mom. So anybody that uh, put uh, six minutes for the first time, Ryan would bring up his mom. You have won uh, just a congratulations. I really don't have money to get you a gift right now. Um, but uh it's weird. I, I I don't know if you listened to yesterday's podcast with Andrew Jenks and a pop culture roundup. Andrew directed this amazing documentary called Billion Dollar Babies about the Cabbage Patch Kid craze of the eighties, and I just think it's fabulous. But I I talk a little bit a bit a little a little bit about being just exhausted, and that was work. But you know, I don't know if you guys are like this with depressive episodes where you feel you feel yourself sliding, you feel yourself going into that realm. Um, where you're like, oh, you know, like you, it's almost like a flare up, uh, you know, you're like, you're like, oh no, I'm getting that, uh, pimple patch again in this certain area. But sometimes I'll feel that depression, you know, kind of sliding in. And after I finished, even though I was exhausted, I was just up for gosh, two and a half hours and doing nothing, nothing good. I was just flipping on TikTok. And it was even that kind of depressive state where you're flipping on TikTok, but I don't even have the sound up. I'm just looking at moving images. Do you know what I'm saying? And my mind is just going in all different directions. And uh, it's weird. I I feel like I'm cycling with my dad right now because I know my dad's going through it. My dad's actually in Columbus, Ohio. I told you on Monday, uh, visiting his 99 year old mom, my grandma, Frances Horton. And, uh, you know, God, by the way, I, I think I t- mentioned this, they, they fucking, they had, uh, they had Massey's pizza, which is my dad's favorite greasy pizza from a uh, childhood white castle, 
barbecue ribs. My grandma's 99 years old. And I said, I said, these guys are going to be shitting their brains out. And sure enough, we had some issues with grandma. We had, I was like, of course you're fucking piling the worst, like the worst food. Like, listen, I am much younger than my 99 year old grandma and I can't process white castles. White castles. It's like the, uh, it's like the Ohio version of Taco Bell. Like, you know, it's like White Castle are these little gut bombs, these little sliders, these little greasy onion little. And when I was a kid, I remember visiting Ohio and I would, uh, I remember trying White Castles for the first time and it scared me. Like I, even as a kid, I knew they were potentially evil because I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are burgers this small? I didn't know what a slider was. And also not a huge fan of onions. And even though they're grilled onions, which I'm now a fan of. I'm sharing way too much. Anywho, I knew they were wrong even back then. And I know you guys are out there. White Castle is great. Yeah, they're not. They're literally they're literally tearing up your insides. If you watch that uh, HBO Max documentary about the cult leader that love has won, Mother God, I feel like drinking colloidal silver. She was drinking colloidal silver that turned herself blue and like potentially was one of the reasons she actually died. Uh, but I think White Castles is the fast food equivalent of colloidal silver. Unless anybody from White Castle corporate is listening, and then please, I would love to uh, test my theory out with some free burgers. Um, but yeah, I was just, I love it when, and that's what I'm talking about when you start to parent your parents, where like dad's texting me this and I'm like, hey, maybe uh, it's, it's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. And my grandma, God love her, 99 years old, She's in a home, of course, but I mean, just chowing down on barbecue ribs and, and wine. I mean, she's not fully all, you know, she's not fully there, but she, I mean, her stomach is fully there. My goodness, 99 years old. Well, I mean, would you guys want to live to 99 years old? Have we had this conversation? I think about that sometimes. Would I want to live to 99 years old? And then I just think like, oh my God. Uh, I'm 23 right now, <laughs> 23 right now. And then imagine having to watch like 50 more, 50 or 40 more years of housewives. Like, I'd be like, what is, what is, what is my future entail? Does my future entail literally in my nineties taking, you know, like doing recaps of housewives I'm like, ah, oh, this new chickadee, this new chickadee is going to. Okay, that's true. No, I'm eventually going to be kin. Like, did you know this new chickadee was in the jacuzzi with your kid? I can't believe that. Justice for Ken. We need more Ken in this season of Vanderpump Rules, by the way. Let's just a little aside. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, 
Join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket, and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Um... I don't know. Uh, but anyways, so my dad's in Ohio. He's there till Friday. And uh, it was so funny. I told you guys on Monday that my sister and her husband went over there and they decorated for Christmas. And I had sent her a bunch of pictures of how mom used to decorate. Uh, and if, guys, if you're listening to the show for the first time, this must be really weird because you're like, I'm here to hear a recap. Just go to the timestamp for the recap. But uh, if you want to stay listening, my mom passed away about three months ago and it's been up and down for me, but really proud of how far me and my family have come and we're really hanging in there. Like a lot of you guys are hanging in there and especially around the holidays it's kind of new for us. We tested it out on Thanksgiving and, you know, I think we got a little cocky after Thanksgiving of like, it was painful, but we got through it. And then there was that two week period where I was like, fuck yeah, we got Christmas on lock. And now the closer we get to Christmas, the more I'm like getting those nerves again, you know, getting that like, oh, you know, like. Yeah. Getting the bubble guts, getting the like, oh, you know, like, and, uh. Anyways, it was kind of in this depressive episode and it's lasted all morning. It's around 2 p.m. right now. And I've been in a fog for a couple hours. And when I mean fog, I can still do things. I can still think of stupid jokes. I can make memes. I can I can do all of those things. But, you know, when you're in your body and when you're actually not even just feeling good, but when you're in your body, when I'm in a depressive state, I'm not really in my body, even though I can do things. I'm not. Um, I'm not incapable of doing things. It's just your, your passion behind it sometimes wanes and you're just kind of feels just like I've used that of like being not tethered to the ground. You're just kind of floating really and kind of seeing what you can hang on to or what's going to like jolt yourself into getting back in your body. Um, I don't know if this sounds completely wild or crazy, or, uh, hopefully some of you guys will understand what I'm meaning, but then I was just about to do this. I was like, okay. Going over the notes, Laura Beth Harp, by the way, took the notes again on Salt Lake. She sent me the first half, so we're we're getting going early. So I just figured if we got the first half, I just watched the first half a second time with her notes. And I figured, why not just go ahead and do this, depending on how I feel later. And uh, we'll finish up the rest later. But uh, 
you know, I mean, it was getting going. And then my dad uh, sent me and my sister, we, we have like a group text. Um, he sent a picture of him and my mom and uh, his friend, Charlie, are, are, that lived down the street from them. And mom passed away three months ago. Charlie passed away two a month and a half ago. And Charlie was in his 90s. Like I think he was ninety, but he was. I'm telling you, you would you would think he was like sixty five. He was, he was. I mean, he was more active than I was. You know, a really good guy. And my dad sent me this picture of him in between the two of them, just laughing and having a good time. Two Christmases ago. Now the thing about cancer, especially, and the thing that enrages me. I mean, there's so many things that enrage me about cancer, but the thing that really bothers me is just all the drugs, these life-saving drugs that people will try to, to, get, to get a chance at fighting for their life, it really messes with the body. It messes with uh, how you look. I remember my mom, uh, even up until the end, you know, she was on various forms of steroids and it was making her gain a lot of weight, especially in her face and her body. And it was wild because my mom had always been relative, like really slim, really slim her entire life. Which is always weird because my entire life I've fought with my weight up and down and up and down. I'm the Luther Mandros of podcasting. Shout out to anybody that gets that joke. Um, and uh, I remember talking to her many times about saying, you know, the illness is one thing, but it's different. You know, I'm, I'm having to get used to like my center of gravity and carrying around more weight. And she was always such she is such a beautiful woman, uh, but she was uh, and it also goes to show you, you know, beauty standards with women, obviously, um, and how sometimes we consider and women themselves consider that as one of their special gifts is being beautiful. Now, I believe my mom was beautiful on the inside and the outside, but uh, I remember how frustrating that was to her and how different she looked. And I'm even talking after she lost her hair and then shaved her head and all of this stuff. But I remember the weight thing being the thing that bothered her the most. But I was looking at this picture that my dad just sent um, from two years ago. And it's so it's so active, the picture. Like she's like smile, she's in the middle of like, oh, you're crazy. Whoever's taking the photo. I bet it's Charlie's wife, Sarah. And uh, it kind of it kind of startled me. Like I'll see my mom every day in a some sort of picture form, but I don't go out fishing for it. You know, like I don't go. You know, I'll do like a search for a stupid meme in my photos, but I won't go out there and actively, um, actively look yet. You know, I, w I won't do that to myself, but I saw this photo that my dad sent and, uh, you know, God bless technology. You can zoom in, you can, you can, you know, like you can get right in there now. And I just, uh, I think the thing that is, because I was just about to record when this happened, and then I figured, oh, I'll just talk to you guys about it. You guys are like one of my therapists. Is that what startled me about it was how alive she looked. She looked so alive. And it's, it's, I think what's weird, especially in this first couple of months, is you, your mind, you know, it's like it's a habit. If you do something over and over again, it just becomes habit. Is that my brain still hasn't accepted sometimes that she's gone, you know, like, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll still do, I'll still go to like text or something, or I'll still go, Oh my God, mom's going to freak out. Or even when I was at that U2 show this week and I was like, Oh my God, she's, her mind's going to be blown. Um, 
and she just looked so alive. And, and, and I, I thought for a second, Oh, she, it's hard to explain. I thought, Oh, she is a lot, you know, like it, 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 it was so re I mean, it was just less than two years ago that photo was. And I just thought, Oh my God, she, she looked so alive that it doesn't make sense that she died. It, does that make any sense? Like I didn't understand how this picture could exist that I remember that I remember being there for the holidays that, you know, like, and then to know after that year was, you know, everything that was going to come ahead of it and to where we wound up. And I think sometimes what I'm finding is this last three months. And I, I think I talked to dad about this. Maybe this was even on the show was uh, sometimes the hard, heavy lifting is trying to forget about the really bad times towards the end. So you can remember the overwhelming amount of amazing times that how lucky we all were, how lucky we, I mean, my God, how lucky we all were. And I think, Hmm. I, I think sometimes when I slowed down, that last week is the thing that really has been hard to shake for me uh, because I've talked about it a little bit and, but I've not, you know, I'm not, I think some people know like Rebecca knows and Meditza and Sandra and uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, but it was like just me and my dad. And then my sister came like three or four days, three days into it, even though she was visiting, of course, but then she started staying over the night too. But it was just something that I wasn't prepared for. And I mean, because we really did think she was going to last. Uh, we were we were thinking months and months. We were told that. So and I think there was a small part of us that thought she would be here for the holidays. She wouldn't be in good shape, but she would be here for the holidays. And uh, I think that's the thing that really is is rough because then you see a photo like I just saw. And then, in fact, let me if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll just show you the photo um, because I think it is so great. Um, that's my, look at my mom right there. And then my dad, they're all eating, uh, cookies and my mom is holding up her cookie. Like, ah, oh, here's my cookie. Uh, that sounds dirtier than it should. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's, that's the, that that's the thing that I'm struggling with. And, like I talked on yesterday's episode of, you know, I have to accept that just because it's going to be 2024, it doesn't mean like everything goes away, nor should it, nor should it. Right. But also to relate it back to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you know, there's all different relationships with our families, with our parents, with our mothers, with our fathers. And obviously my relationship with my mother was really, really strong and good. But Monica and her mother, um, Linda, it, it wasn't good. And just because your relationship is a certain way with your family doesn't mean that's everybody's relationship. So I, I did read some online discourse yesterday about like, well, I don't believe this relationship with Monica and her mom. And I, I just feel like, guys, parental relationships come in all shapes and sizes. And fortunately or unfortunately, the things that happen in people's childhoods, the things that they watch their parents do have a lifelong lasting effect on you. And it obviously has shaped Monica and in good and bad ways. 
And I feel like that's the one thing that we don't have to question at all with Monica is that this is a bad relationship. This is a bad relationship. I mean, who knows about finger pointing of who's to blame on what and this and that. But then you throw reality television on top of it. And it's what I always say. It's like, I love I mean, you guys know I love my family dearly, but there's no fucking way in hell that I would do a reality show based around my family. I mean, it was hard enough to have them on the podcast at times. You know, I didn't know what I was going to discover. And that was great. But that was in a controlled environment. When you throw reality television into this and you start digging into family secrets and you start revealing even family secrets that you know, but then you then you welcome us, the audience into it. That is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous, dangerous place. And I think you have to uh, really take that into account when you watch these Monica scenes. Uh, But like I said, she's an onion. It doesn't mean just because Monica had a bad childhood or potentially her mom was bad to her. It doesn't make up for potentially bad things that she's done. There is personal responsibility that Monica will have to answer to if she really did do these things that she's being accused of. But I wanted to present that right off the bat. Some of you guys might be like, yeah, got it. I knew that already. But some of you, I don't know if you really do stop to think about that. Uh, and it's something that I've been thinking about all morning. So, okay, now we let's get let's get into it, folks. Enough of the enough of the boo hoo boo hoo ho ho ho. Let's get into these ladies of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Also, I want to remind everybody, uh, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. I released like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, my overall thoughts about Paris and Love season two with friend of the pod, Samaj Bloodson. It goes in a bunch of diff- different directions and it is pretty silly. But if you're looking for a laugh, head on over there. It uh, it was definitely fun to record that last night. Uh, I love Samaj so much. So. I also love these ladies, even though they, uh, they're they a handful, you guys. You know how Housewives can be. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Season 4, Episode 14, Bermuda Birthday Blues, the alliteration, the blah, blah, blah. Bermuda Birthday Blues, they're, of course, in Bermuda. It is Monica's birthday, and uh, there's blues? Yeah. This is the description the cable company gives us. The women throw Monica a birthday bash. Monica's personal questions rub Heather the wrong way, and a rumor, a rumor, a rumor about Angie surfaces. And we start, as we always do, previously on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And everybody's like, all like, Bermuda, where is it? Where is Bermuda? Oh my gosh, Bermuda. So everybody's really excited. Uh, we see the ladies arrive in beautiful Bermuda and hear Monica talking about being in the place where her grandmother was born, her great grandpa, like, you know, built businesses around the city. Listen, for all I know, Bermuda is like called Bermuda Garcia. Like this is her, maybe her whole family built Bermuda. Then we have a scene of Monica bringing up the DMs she received from a mysterious Instagram account about Angie Kay and her finances to Meredith. But Meredith, remember, is the one that supposedly alerted, you know, alerted Monica to this. And at the end of last week's episode, Meredith was just kind of looking at uh, looking at uh, Monica when she brought it up. I was like, that's very interesting. Even though she was the one that alerted Angie to it. There's a lot of, not Angie, sorry, Monica. She's the one that alerted Monica to it about Angie. So it's, it's really weird. And this is the crux of a fight later. And a lot of people don't seem to know which way to believe with this either. Another shroud of mystery potentially with Monica. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't. 
I don't think Monica is behind this one. I could be wrong. And of course, when you get in bed with Jen Shaw, you leave yourself open to anything being possible. But it was also about Sean's bankruptcy and Meredith is like, I, I don't I don't remember. But also Meredith had not been in a bathtub for 48 hours. So she is at her weakest. Um, and then we have a scene of Angie Kay and Meredith who got into a fight on the bus about Meredith threatening Moomas about Angie Kay and her family. And this is great because Meredith, remember, has she she has a law degree and she knows the definitions of all words like that is not the definition of a threat. I'll tell you the definition of a threat. And then we cut to a scene of Lisa and Whitney fighting at dinner that then turns into Whitney and Heather fighting. Because remember, Heather started that crap last week while telling Lisa that Whitney told her that she was helping Lisa make great strides. And Lisa didn't like that. And the scene ended with Whitney going. Heather, shut the fuck up. Heather, shut the fuck up. And I got to tell you, I was out of my chair clapping for that because I feel like Whitney does need to stand up for herself in those moments. But even when she said that last week, it was still kind of Heather, shut the fuck up. It Like, I want it to be like, Heather, shut the fuck up. Heather, what the, shut the fuck up. Like, I wanted to, I want her to be on her voice fully. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was a scene that we see in the recaps. And then we go into the taglines and we have not revisited these taglines in a minute. So let's talk about these taglines once again to see if it revealed anything about what we've seen so far this season, because there's a stuff, there's a couple that still confuse me. So uh, let's see here. We have Lisa Barlow who says, I'm on a mission to serve Lisa. And I love that for myself, which is a great one. It revolves around the storyline of Jack going on his mission, Heather having a problem with that, of them not consulting Heather about mission work. So Lisa's, we kind of understand. Now, Heather Gay says, I own a beauty empire, so I don't need any of your lip service. Now, this one is potentially still a mystery to me. It could just be a bland tagline or... In these last handful of episodes, this actually might reveal something about what is happening with Heather and Monica. So in my paranoid brain, I'm thinking that that is potentially going to get us a little more eyes wide open about what this fight between Monica and Heather turns out to be in Bermuda. But I keep thinking about this. I own a beauty empire, so I don't need any of your lip service. So I am still thinking this is about beauty lab and laser, whatever happens with Monica. Um, and then Monica Garcia's is uh, my family runs Bermuda. No, it says I keep my friends close, but my secrets closer. Now, this is a catch all. This could be about anything, anybody. I think in retrospect, I would... Uh, I would almost go, I keep my friends close and I hate my mom. That might be a better one. So we'll see what happens with that one. And then Meredith is in a town full of dirty lies. Everyone can use a bath, which fits completely with what we're seeing on this trip about Meredith and her love of baths. Now, in retrospect, we could have also gone with a podcasting one of in a town full of dirty lies. I'm I do a podcast with Seth. Hey, what's going on? It's me, Seth. Did somebody call for me? I want to get in a bathtub with Meredith and do the freaky deaky. I love skin. So we know what Meredith kind of refers to. And then um, Angie Kay is just, hey, I'm Greek. Hey, I'm Greek. No, she says, I may be Greek. And then it's period. No, she goes, I may be Greek, 
but don't expect an olive branch from me. So that really sets in with the the whole Greek thing. And then um, Mary Cosby doesn't have one. Mary Cosby's like, ah, they asked me to come back. They, I don't know. They asked me to come back. But Mary Cosby is in the cast photo. She's more than a friend of, even though she wasn't even invited on this cast trip. Mary Cosby's still yet to be seen. And I guess I appreciate, but also kind of a tiny bit miss them cutting back to Mary. Usually what they'll do is they would cut back to Mary during the vacation and like get in her closet with her and watch her talk to mannequin heads. Like we've seen that. They they do that on housewives trips all the time, like back in Utah, but we don't see that here. Okay. So Bermuda day two, the Chiron comes on the screen. We are only in day two. I feel like we've been in Bermuda for months now. It is only day two. How many episodes are we going to get out of Bermuda? I think we're going to get like five episodes, right? We've, we're, we're on the second one at the end. We got a whole nother one. I don't know when they get back from Bermuda. Maybe they truly never leave Bermuda. Uh, we see a montage of all the ladies waking up. Oh, I'm Bermuda getting ready for the day. Heather's alarm goes off. Matt. Can we make a rule for all television and movies and songs? Do not put the Apple iPhone alarm in any because I hear the alarm and my butt puckers. I'm like, oh, like I feel like I'm 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 personally like late for something when I hear hear my alarm go off in TV. Um, Angie K is brushing her teeth, just like the Greek daughter. Monica steps out onto her balcony to enjoy the view. We see Heather sitting on her balcony with her AirPods Max, her pink AirPods Max. She's scrolling on her phone, probably on Instagram, looking at memes. Uh, Lisa is taking videos of the view from her balcony. Oh my God, this is amazing. And Whitney is on her balcony stretching. And then we go to Meredith's view which is just of a palm tree. Womp, womp. We then see her laying in her bed on her phone. You know, I was thinking we should have, like the producer should have gotten like a little kiddie pool to kind of simulate a bath and we could just see her in the kiddie pool in her in her, in her bedroom, like kind of, you know, like, so she had water around. I'm starting to think that Meredith is potentially a mermaid. Have you guys thought about this at all? Cause there was this old movie called splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah that Ron Howard directed. And Daryl Hannah was a mermaid and Tom Hanks fell in love with a mermaid and she needed water. Like that was part of the whole mermaid thing. And that's what like, I mean, we're thinking all these crazy things. Meredith might just actually be a mermaid and she genuinely needs the bath for her health. Like, because that's like to keep her skin a lot. I don't know. It's just a theory. I mean, don't put it out there. I'm going to send it to Demois and see what she says, but you know, you heard it here first. If that turns out to be true. Um, next we see Heather Gay now decorating the patio for Monica's birthday. She has balloons, banners, streamers, different party decor everywhere. Whitney now then walks into Monica's bedroom and Whitney's like, Monica. And Monica's like, yeah, Where's the birthday girl? I hear it's your birthday. And Whitney's walking in carrying a birthday gift for Monica. And she still has her PJs on, but her makeup is completely done. And I do want to point out once again, like I did already, they hate Monica six months after this. Like they all hate her, but it is so nice. And they all seem to be buddy, buddy. And Monica's like, oh my gosh, look how cute you look. Wait, oh my God, you're already done up. I'm ready for your birthday. Oh my God, thank you. Should I open the gift now? Yeah, okay. Look at your view, girl. And I do want to point out, nobody is using their bathtubs. (laughs) Nobody's using their bathtubs in any of these scenes. They sit on Monica's bed and Monica starts to open the gift. And Monica's like, wait, what is this? This one's funny and cute all at the same time. And Monica's like, okay, oh my God, salty AF. It's a tank top with salty AF printed on the front. So 
this obviously is probably something that Whitney sells, uh, good product promotion. Monica's like, okay, oh, should I wear it to breakfast? And then they both laugh. <laughs> just kidding. And Whitney's like, I just thought it would be cute to wear over a swimsuit or something. No, I actually love this. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you so much. Now we're back out on the patio. Heather's blowing up these balloons with a pump, but is struggling, even though we think, I think Heather should know her way around a pump. And Heather's like, what is this balloon shape I'm making? Heather would be a great balloon wrangler, kind of like, oh my God, here's a dog. You know those things they have at kids' birthday parties? Just a thought of the housewife thing doesn't work out. Angie K, who we find out in this episode is Greek, comes out and she's like, good morning. And Heather's like, guten morgen. And Angie's like, I wish this was a party for me. And Heather's like, look, we're matching. And they're both wearing silk PJs with animals printed on them. Angie K is wearing a pink set with zebras and Heather is wearing a navy blue set with cheetahs. Amazing. And Angie K goes, oh, we are. We're both animals now. Rawr. And Heather goes in the jungle. I was like, I feel like a producer should step in of like, we don't need this. You guys don't keep going with the pajama stuff. And Angie K keeps going, look at us in our jammies. And Heather's like, good morning. Good morning. Like, it just seems like it repeats itself. And then Angie K goes, isn't it a glorious day out here? Look at this. Heather's like, I know I just got emotional. Like we're in freaking Bermuda. And Angie K goes, here we are. You know how to plan a girl's birthday party. And Heather goes, we're going to make her like queen for the day. And Angie K goes, okay, we should probably do that. Yeah, Angie, that's what we're doing. Angie, wake up, wake up, get off your PJs, wake up. Heather is like, um, hey, try on Monica's birthday tiara. See how it looks. And uh, Angie's like, should I? And Heather goes, you know, you want to. Um, is 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 crowns really that big of a deal for women? Like, is it is it something that, I mean, I will say if I had access to a king crown, I don't even think I would feel like I deserved it. But I, I don't know. Like, is it is it one of those things? I mean, it probably is, right? You got the pageant. Uh, anyways, Angie seems to really want to put it on her head. And uh, Angie's like, does it look like it fits? I, this is kind of reminiscent of uh, Lisa Vanderpump, Beverly Hills. The crown is heavy. Uh. Um, the ladies both laugh at all of this and they get back to setting up the party. And Angie Kay's like, oh, did you have fun last night? And Heather's like, no. And Angie Kay laughs. <laughs> and Angie Kay's like, is that going to be every morning? Did you have fun last night? And Heather's like, no. And Angie goes, yeah, no, not every morning. Now, Meredith saunters out on the patio. And Meredith's like, hello, hello. Hello. And he's like, good morning. Mary's like, good morning. And Heather's like, oh, good morning. Oh my gosh. Hi. What's going on? It looks, it looks cute out. Um, it looks cute out here. And Angie K is like, you want to help us decorate? Um, and Heather's like, yeah, we're decorating. I know you usually have other people do this, but we're doing it ourselves. And Meredith's like, this is really incredible. This, uh, this view is incredible. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Fly style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? 
The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Heather's like, I know. And Andy's like, we were just talking about last night. And Heather goes, so what do you think, Meredith? And Meredith's like, with Lisha and Whitney? And Angie's like, yeah. Meredith goes, I think there was a lot of moving parts, you know. And I think Whitney was coming in very upset. Rightfully so. Like, she's, you know, in a hurt place. And Heather goes, she went for the jugular with me. She told me to shut the fuck up. I do want to point out once again, it was very, it was very, Heather, shut the fuck up. It wasn't like, Heather, shut the fuck up. It was very, like, I felt like people should be more supportive of Whitney voicing her opinion. Angie K goes, yeah, no, that was totally disrespectful, Heather. I didn't like that. And Meredith goes, I don't think anyone should speak that way, period. I love that Meredith, you know, she's also like, listen, we're all classy women. We don't say things like, shut the fuck up. We don't say butthole. We don't say nipples. We don't say 69. Uh, we don't say turd blossom. We don't say bitch. We don't say uh, the uh, F-U-C-K word. And I swear, I've washed out Seth's mouth many times. He seems to enjoy it. <laughs> hey, I do enjoy it. Hey, Meredith, if I, if I say 69, are you going to wash my mouth off? I look forward to it. All right. Um, so we see Angie K kind of give Meredith a look and then flash back to the Palm Springs when Meredith had her iconic scene where she was hammered going, don't fuck with me. Tell her to fuck off. And then she swallows. So Meredith saying this, not realizing that she has a Hulk with inside her, the Hulk Meredith that will come out and be like, don't fuck with me. You can fucking leave. Meredith in this scene goes, I don't believe in speaking that way. I just don't. That's my own personal view. And I'm not necessarily, not everybody's on board here. That's, that's not the first time that's happened in this group. Heather goes, it, well, it's shocking to me that we're sitting here debating over and over all the ups and downs of like Whitney being petty. As Heather is talking, Whitney walks directly out on the patio and Heather's like, oh, hi. And Angie goes, hi, Whitney. And Meredith goes, good morning. And Whitney goes, Fuck off. No, Whitney goes, good morning. And Angie's like, did you hear your name as you walked in? And Whitney goes, yeah, I did, actually. This is where I wish Whitney would just go like, seriously, I told you to shut the fuck up. Keep my name out of your fucking dirty mouth. Please do it. Heather goes, well, we're talking last night. Like, why did you come at me last night, Whitney? I am sorry that I said that to you. I don't want to talk to you that way. I'm sorry for speaking to you that way. So she immediately snuffs the flame, immediately like, hey, sorry, I did this. And Heather is touching her collar, kind of like a mafiosa, kind of like Greek, Greek mafia, if you will. And like kind of touching her co collar. And, and Heather goes, um, don't ever do it again. Don't ever do it again. Kind of like I'm a best-selling author. Don't ever do that again to me. And Whitney goes, okay. <laughs> okay. But also it's like, 
don't ever do that. Come, I don't know. I will say over and over again, the power dynamics in this relationship are very interesting because there is this light familial element, but also Heather thinks she's better than Whitney, hands down, period. You can see it as bright as day. Um, so Heather leans in to hug Whitney, but you can tell it's it's kind of awkward, kind of you know half-hearted. And Angie K's like, okay, oh my gosh, see how easy that was? And when he's like, no, she's fake hugging me. And Heather laughs. <laughs> All right, I'll hug you. I really am sorry I said that to you. I know. Whitney in a confessional goes, I am genuinely sorry that I lost control of my emotions. And I just hope that Heather is over it because I don't want to feel like I wasted an apology. I do want to say, though, that's her losing her emotions. Like that, the the language was tough, but the way she delivered it was not Heather shut the fuck up. It, like, it just wasn't. Like, Heather uh, now is looking at two balloons side by side. Heather's like, hey, who did this? And Angie K goes, me. And Heather goes, that looks like a freaking ball sack. And Angie K starts laughing. Oh, we're just girls being dirty. Heather goes, you don't put two happy birthday balloons next to each other. And Angie K goes, well, okay, yeah. Well, that's what you wanted. Heather in a confessional says, I've been throwing breakfast birthday parties for my kids three times a year ever since they were born. I do balloons in the room, birthday breakfast, the you are special today plate. I've got the routine down, but these women do not seem to know a balloon from a ball sack. Also, this is interesting because later on we talk about sexy time a little bit, which we will talk about. But Heather has always joked about sex the entire four seasons of this show, and she continues to do so. So it's interesting when you cherry pick when you want to talk about sex and when you don't, when you joke about sex. I mean, when it comes to your personal autonomy or your families, I understood when it came to talking about her daughter. But Heather does come across like a very sexual woman. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing, however you want to be. But Heather does throw a lot of those things out there. So I can imagine the other ladies think she would be very comfortable in talking about sex. Um, so Angie K in a confessional goes, I think she's a little more well-versed in the ball sack department. <laughs> and she laughs. <laughs> so what I think Angie K is saying there is Heather's a whore, you know, take it from me, a Greek woman. I know somebody that knows how to jack somebody off. <laughs> uh, Angie K goes, no, I wasn't trying to do a ball sack, Heather. I was trying to make it look nice. The ladies continue to set up the decorations and Lisa Barlow comes out. Oh my God. Happy birthday. Oh wait, she's not here. And Meredith goes, no, she's not yet. Monica's not here yet. And Heather's like, you're going to make an entrance at Monica's birthday party. And Lisa's like, yes, you guys, we did such a good job. Ha 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 ha. And Angie K goes, you just showed up in the nick of time. Yes. I love the decorations. Did you bring a freaking helium tank? And Heather's like, no, it's a manual pump. Uh, hey, Heather knows her way around a manual pump. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Lisa goes, oh, okay. And Heather goes, but you know how to use it. It'll come naturally to you. So now Heather's saying that to Lisa Barlow. And Lisa goes, oh, yes, yes. It's how I got my jazz ticket. So finally, Lisa's even bringing up that, that interest, interesting tidbit from last season that Whitney brought into it that, remember, like she gave BJs to get like courtside jazz tickets, which I still, I can't imagine. I, I mean, Listen, you guys, if there is a heaven and I'm given like a granted a couple things like to know about about the world, one's going to be the John Bonet Ramsey case done. Now, this one could be in there. Like, I want to know if Lisa actually because I just can't imagine Lisa ever stepping outside of her marriage. I just I just I really can't picture it. Can you guys picture it? I don't mean like let's picture it together and let's like get no, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think she has that in her. She doesn't come off like that at all unless that's like deeply deep 
undercover, you know? We see Monica coming down the stairs of the patio, and Monica gasps when she sees the party set up. I mean, it's a nice party set up, but I don't know if it's, like, gasp. But, like, everybody's like, happy birthday! And Monica's like, oh, my God! And Mary's like, we're still decorating. And Monica's like, this is so sweet! Heather goes, happy birthday, Monica! You are now entering officially middle age. We're gonna start with a traditional Bermudian breakfast, so we can all go in there, grab plates of food, and then bring it out here, and we will celebrate. Which, by the way, what is a traditional Bermudian breakfast? The things that they serve just make it sound kind of like a continental breakfast. I don't know. Monica's like, oh, this is so cool, you guys. I love it. The caterer, they have like vegetable quiche, breakfast potatoes. These are all, I guess, Bermudian foods. And Angie Kay's like, this looks so good. And Lisa's like, this looks amazing. I love Bermuda. I mean, it bright, food is good, right? But I wasn't like, fuck, like, I got to go to Bermuda ASAP. Like, I've never seen breakfast potatoes like this. The ladies head back out to the patio, and Monica sits in the middle seat since she is queen for the day. And Monica's like, this is so good. And Heather's like, happy birthday, Monica. Happy birthday. You today are going to be crowned queen for a day. These are the rules. You have a special crown. You have a scepter. And you have a queen's robe. And Angie K is like, wow. Angie K is like, oh my God, I wish it was my birthday in Bermuda. Monica in a confessional goes, I've never been given the title of queen for a day. I literally have never thought about what I would do with such power. I'm like, yeah, you have. You hung out with Jen Shaw. Honestly, I'm just happy to be here right now and not having to like pick up poop off the floor, you know? Where are the kids going to the bathroom at home? Is it like a, uh, I don't know. Anyways, Monica goes, I just have to say, I don't want to make it sappy, but we all know I'm emotional. And she starts to cry. Honestly, this is insane. And I really have never had a birthday like this in my life. It means so much. You guys really have no idea. And I will say, She sells these moments. You fully believe that she is overcome with emotion, that potentially nobody has put a couple of helium balloons out for her her and served a vegetable quiche. Like you you really like, I'm not saying like, I really believe when she gets emotional, but then there's that thing, just just knowing housewives and knowing all of these vumas and lies that potentially like, is, is it, is one thing, is everything like a big long con for certain cast members? But I do like, to me, this feels so real, even though I feel like it's like, really, she's putting it on, but I do feel like it, it's real emotion. I don't know. Anyways, Lisa's like, ah, anyway, they all say happy birthday, happy birthday to many more, Lisa says. And uh, they're like, welcome to the middle age club, bitch. And Lisa and Monica even hug. And Monica's like, no, seriously, I am middle-aged. Monica says, there have been a plethora of bad days lately. My relationship with my mother is in a very fragile, rocky state right now. It's hard not to feel so overwhelmed and honestly just sad. And moments like this are what I cling to help me get to the next day, to help me get to the next positive thing. And I'm so grateful that they were able to come together and support me in this moment and do something special for me. It's the nicest thing I've done for, have had done for me in a very long time. And Monica then, and back in the scene goes, also, just so you guys know, I want to go jet skiing on the ocean. So we're going to do that, but you're going to have a little bit of downtime too. like go to the beach because I'm going to meet with my family today. I haven't seen them in 30 years. And Lisa's like, oh, wow. Monica's like, it's been so long. That's a long time. Yeah, I know. I'm nervous. I'm excited to see them. It's been so long. And then Angie K goes, oh, Monica. And Heather's like, are they in the same house that you like that you were in last time? And Monica's like, yeah, they're literally in the same house. And Heather's like, that's going to be a trip for you. And Monica goes, they all live in the same house together. And I think like four or five of them will be there today. And Lisa's like, that's so cute. And Heather goes, what are you going to talk to your family about? 
And Monica's like, I'm going to tell them a lot about their cousin, Linda, her mom. And she goes, just kidding. <laughs> and Lisa's like, oh, geez. And Monica goes, after therapy, after she didn't show up, actually. And then we flash back, flash back to Monica's therapist. We didn't see this scene yet. And the therapist is like, your mom was supposed to be here today with you. So what's happening there? And Monica's like, the last couple of days, she just kind of lost her shit on me. And I am feeling like alone and like, what the fuck is wrong with me? So like, you can't even show up here. I don't even want to fucking be here. This was your idea, which earlier in the season out by the car at Monica's place, we did, uh, I think have that conversation of, or maybe it was at the dinner actually, where Monica's like, I think we need therapy. So I knew that we would get a therapy scene, but I cannot believe Monica's mom didn't show up for the therapy scene. Especially for how passionately Monica's mom seems to defend herself online, I feel like she makes herself look horrible in these situations. Monica in the scene goes, she has been contacting like my family here, and she was like, I want to show up. I just want to surprise her. I just want to be there for her, but I just feel like it's not about being there for her. That's just how she's wording it. It's about, I want to come to Bermuda. I want to see my family. You know what I mean? Because when it's time to do the work in our relationship, like therapy, she doesn't show up for that. But when it's a trip to Bermuda, you want to like show up? And Angie Kay's like, wow, I'm Greek. No, she just says, wow. But uh, it, it is interesting. And I do get that vibe from Monica's mom that she loves the spot. She loves the camera. She loves the camera. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like Monica thinks she, Monica's mom thinks she's on the cast a little bit herself. And to a degree, she is in a very, very supporting role. We shouldn't have mothers be this big of a role the first season. But I could see... I could see her very being very upset that she is not able to be in Bermuda on camera. Monica goes, it's a mess. The whole thing really is a disaster and it's stressful and sad. But on that note, we're going to go to the jet skis and then beach. And then we come back here and we're going to get in our Bermudian, Bermudian. I love Bermudian as a word. Bermuda, our Bermudian pirate wench costumes. Pirates of the Bermudian birthday theme. Dinner in the costume. Get some booty. So I love that Monica wanted her themed birthday party to be pirates. Like I need more. I need, I need more. Like, was this, did the producers help out with this? Like, did they throw out ideas or was Monica like, um, I've always wanted a pirate birthday party. I don't know if you know about that, about me. I've always had a fascination with pirates. And, uh, I think a lot of my family were pirates. We'll meet some of them on this trip, but I would love, I mean, I, who comes up with this stuff? It's very summer house. Like I will say, at the beginning of this season with Salt Lake City, I had seen the trailer and I'd seen some of the costumes and I was like, oh my God, which by the way, the bonnet, remember the bonnet is from a couple episodes ago. I kind of was like, oh my God, are they pulling a summer house where summer house cast is always in like a different costume every episode. But I have to say, I've kind of liked it. I, I kind of like it so far, but Lisa immediately pops up. Okay. You know, I don't like to get dressed up. So, um, my contribution is hoop earrings. And when you think about pirates, you guys, hoop earrings kind of is the main, their main thing. So I think Lisa did a great thing. We also know that Lisa doesn't like to get dressed up because of the Palm Springs episode from earlier this season with the drag, you know, like dressing in drag where Lisa was like, I paid for glam. What are you? T I need a producer in here immediately. You guys know how cool I am, but this is too much. And we like found out, like, didn't she say she'd pay like 5,000 for her glam to come out with anyways, I love Lisa Barlow. Heather goes, well, yeah, Lisa just full naked and giant pirate hoop earrings, nipple covers. I'm assuming Wendy's having so much effect on you. I'm really proud of you. So Heather throws that out there, a little jab about that fight from the other day about Whitney saying that she was helping Lisa Barlow. So Heather kind of poking the bear a little, this is another time where I wish Whitney would go like, Heather, I told you to shut the fuck up. One more time and I will jujitsu your ass. Fuck off. 
please. Anyways, uh, Monica's like, okay, you guys, we're going to leave soon. So everyone, let's get ready to break. Break. And we see a montage of all the ladies getting dressed. Don't you remember like 80s movie montages? It would usually be in like Rocky Four, where Rocky would be like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. And they were like, I guess I have to have a training sequence. And then it would be like, dun, 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 dun. And Rocky would be like, you know, not out of shape, but he wouldn't be good. He'd be like, oh, I'm just doing sprints, but you can tell he's winded. And then the music's like, and you see him over the course of like a month and his beard's getting longer. And then by the end, he's like fucking like has like three trees on his back and he's running through the woods and he's like, yeah, I'm Rocky again. Like I want more 80s montages in Housewives. This is just them getting dressed and fixing their makeup. But I would love a training montage of some sort. Monica texts Lisa and says, hey, girl, come up to my balcony. It's so gorge. Now, Monica and Lisa's relationship has been insane, right? But now there is a little truth. Monica's like, hey, come on up. And Lisa responds, okay, I'm coming. At any moment, this is what I was talking about earlier. I feel like there could be an assassination. Like I, my, I'm looking over my shoulder the entire time while, while I'm watching TV because I feel like, is this a setup? What's going on? Oh my God. But Lisa comes to the balcony and Lisa's like, hello. And Monica's like, woo. Oh my gosh. And Monica's like, you look so good. Jet skiing. Yeah, my little jet ski buddy. Are you ready? I know. And Monica's like, come sit down, sit here. She points to the chair with her super, 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 her scepter, her super regal scepter. And Lisa's like, oh my gosh, you are that scepter. The echo's up here too. You sound super regal. And Monica's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for coming up. I wanted to ask you something. Um, I want to ask something of thee. Okay. Okay, so I'm very like nervous and a little anxious, a little overwhelmed as well to see like my family for the first time in 30 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, and I don't want to go by myself and I would love for you to come with me. Oh, I'd be happy to. And Monica's like, I would really love that. I want to meet your family. Yay, I'm so glad you're going to come. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, I just feel like we are really on this great trajectory and I would love to keep that going and I want you to be able to understand me more and get to know me better seeing like who you came from and where your roots are yeah well i think it's really really cool yay thank you for coming this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie heron as she meets the plastics and tina fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. No, I'm excited. And then in a confessional, Lisa goes, things with Monica have been rough, but the fact that she wants me to see another side of her and to meet her family and to get a glimpse of who she is, I'm willing to go with her. Like, I'm always willing to give somebody a chance. And then Monica's like, hey, I want to tell you something. What? Meredith called me and she talked to me about how she believes that Angie is in the Greek mafia. First off, I feel like this could have led the conversation. Then we could have gotten into the invite. Also, about the invite. 
is this another producer suggestion? Because I feel like if you're meeting your family for the first time in 30 years again, would you bring the person that you've had some of the biggest fights with this season of like, Hey, this is the one I called an old bat. Yeah. I'm bringing her with me. Like it, and I do know it strokes Lisa's ego, which she likes and Lisa's always willing to forgive and forget. It seems, but it is kind of wild to me that she did choose her. But anyways, now we get into the Greek mafia stuff. And Lisa makes a disgusted and confused face. Then we flash over to Angie Kay, who is stripping down into her bikini. And not just a bikini, folks, a Greek flag bikini. And uh, she's getting into the pool to float around. And she's really struggling on the float. And a Chiron comes up on the screen that says, Angie, the Don Katsanavis, Greek mafia, question mark. But more importantly, she's just really struggling. She's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and she's got like, she's really muscular type body. She's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. But it is funny to think of Angie K as Greek mafia not being able to get on a pool float. Isn't that, I mean, that's a great episode of The Sopranos. Back to Lisa. And Lisa's like, oh my God, are you crazy? This is like nuts. And Monica's like, no, I'm not crazy. Like the actual mafia. We go back to Angie K and she still can't get on this pool float. And she goes, Oh my God, come on, old girl. Like she's like talking to herself like she's a horse. And uh, it's kind of like I imagine Sutton talking to Santos, like, come on, I say, I say, old girl, let old, let old Sutton get on you. Come on. Anyways, Monica to Lisa goes, We started talking about Angie and her financial situation. All of a sudden, about a week ago, I start getting DMs on Instagram about Angie and literally legal docu- documents of her claiming bankruptcy, Sean claiming bankruptcy. We get a screenshot of a DM that comes up on screen that says, Angie K is a total fraud. Angie K is a fugly slut. No, she says she's not even close to the level of wealth she represents. In fact, one could say she's broke. She has a current tax lien against her and her husband, and her husband has declared bankruptcy. I've attached his bankruptcy filing and her tax lien with address, um, darkened all public records, but we've known about them forever. Another couple on reality TV misrepresenting themselves. LOL. Shocking. I know. So I told you guys last week, pay attention to the verbiage of that. I thought that was interesting in some of the ways with the shocking. I know. And, uh, in fact, one could say, I thought those were interesting little tidbits of a DM. So we find out Monica says, uh, they owe $170,000 to the IRS and Lisa's just shaking her head. And Lisa in a confessional goes, these rumors are ridiculous, dumb, unfounded and lies. But the problem is it's Meredith's intention to damage Angie's friendships, relationships, reputation. Like there's so much ripple effect. This is like horrible. Lisa in the scene goes like, it's ironic that she's having this conversation with you. And then all of a sudden you're getting documents to back it up. This is what happened before with me. She did that from last year. It was the same thing with my SEC filing with Vida Tequila. Also, have we ever given thought like, is Jen Shaw doing this from prison? I mean, I know they have like a little computer or little iPad tablet they're going to have. What if Jen Shaw is just continuing her wreckage of misery? Uh, we get a flashback to last year in the Sprinter van with Meredith, Angie K, Jen Shaw, and Heather uh, with uh, Lisa. Like, I was like, sent a random DM with this SEC filing. Later on that same trip, Lisa goes, did you talk about me and my businesses, Meredith? And Meredith's like, I, I really haven't talked about it other than in passing, you know. We also see that scene with Heather and the eye patch. That was when they went to San Diego last season. I also love that Meredith said she only talks about it in passing. Like, uh, you know, hello, neighbor. I was going on. Anyways, uh, Lisa Barlow's SEC filing. Have a good day. 
Uh, Lisa goes, I honest, I honestly feel like Meredith is setting you up, Monica. Setting me up? Yeah, to do her dirty work because she hates Angie. So instead of carrying out the threat, you keep your hands clean and send it anonymously to somebody else and let them do it. And Monica in a confessional goes, if I'm being used as a pawn to get information out, that's really fucked up. And I'm going to be really sad and disappointed that I'm once again being someone's scapegoat for some bullshit rumors. And Lisa goes, she's like losing it. Like, this is like crazy. You guys should have given her a fucking bathtub. If you uh, if you gave the lady a bathtub, she wouldn't have to do any of this stuff. She needs the bath. Well, I mean, okay. So this this the mystery deepens, right? Because a lot of people are going, "Ooh, I see." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Well, I bet Monica actually sent it to herself. And I think I get it. I get everybody speculating because of the Jen Shaw of it all. We've been, but also, who was the girl last season that uh, with the elf on a shelf husband? Remember? What remember when she was proven to have made false Instagram, fake, fake Instagram accounts. So we do know it happens on this show. We do know it is possible, but I do wonder, uh, what's her name? Uh, Angie, right? right? Yeah. Angie, the other Angie. Um, we do know that. So it leaves the room for possibility, but these people would have to be thinking 10 steps down the line. I do think there is a, I, I love, love, love Meredith Marks. But I do think it's interesting in that the person that it's aiming at now, Monica would have to understand like a certain amount about their relationships to peg this on Meredith. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that it would be a lot for somebody to do. And I feel like it could be easily traced back. It could be easily traced back. I really do hope Lisa Barlow's uh, cybersecurity team is on this because it seems like something we could find out now. Lisa Barlow on Twitter last night is like, yeah, I said that to Monica's face in regards to this, this whole, this whole setup is that it, it doesn't make sense because nobody knew yet that Monica was on the cast. So why, who would send her the same DM that allegedly Meredith was giving. So they're saying that Meredith would have known that Monica's on the cast, but the general public wouldn't. So why send that to Monica unless you definitely knew? Um, what if it's production? I don't know, but it is interesting and it leaves a lot of room, but it, there is a pattern of behavior. And we do know that Meredith, even though not the technical definition of threat, which she will argue until she's blue in the face, but there is, I mean, Meredith, you know, says when she's drunk, don't fuck with me. You can't, I mean, Mer I mean, I don't know. I think Meredith, Meredith reminds me a little bit of Kathy Hilton in some ways where I do believe she does pull some strings behind the scenes. I guess you could argue that with a lot of these ladies. And also even having said all of that, I love Meredith Marks. Like, you know, I, I still love Meredith Marks, you know, like, so it's, it's weird, but I, I do it. This is what I'm saying. It's like the mystery deepens. It's like this game of clue without a murder. Um, so now we go to Heather's room where Meredith is getting ready to head out for jet skiing. Heather, this is when we first see her. She's wearing these ridiculous Spider-Man or as uh, Laura Beth Harp, who took these notes, uh, Laura Beth Harp uh, sent me a photo of the Green Goblin. And it does look a little like the Green Goblin. I was thinking Spider-Man, but Green Goblin's a great one. It, they're just, they're superhero glasses. It's ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Um, Heather's like, we're bitches, man. We're badass jet skiing bitches. And Meredith's like, yes, we are. Monica from downstairs, little people, where are you? Come out here. Heather's like, I feel like we may have created a monster with this whole queen for the day. And Meredith's like, I don't know. I think we're about to find out. And then Monica in Portuguese goes, the number one bitch is here. And Lisa's like, 
bitches. And Monica's like, yeah. So everybody's just throwing around the bitches word. Heather walks in first. You know, like I said, she looks like the Green Goblin. Lisa's like, bitch number one, bitch number two, bitch number three. And Monica's like, yay. The ladies get into the Sprinter van and head out. And Angie K goes, let's all make up raps and see who does the best one. Like, what a weird icebreaker. Hey, guys, let's do raps. And Heather goes, I mean, how about we play the quiet game? And Angie K goes, remember the Mormon rap? And Heather's like, I do not know the Mormon rap. My parents didn't allow that type of secular music in our home. Oh my God, I do. I do kind of wish that we had a Mormon rap or at least a Barlow at least could add something to, you know, the Lisa Barlow album. I mean, she has the holiday song, um, Away in a Manger, but I would love to hear a Mormon rap. Um the van starts driving through the Bermudian streets and we see the differently brightly colored houses. And Whitney goes, shut the fuck up, Heather. No, Whitney goes, what color house would you choose if you lived here? Are we really this desperate for conversation? What color house would you have? And Monica's like, pink. Oh my God. Oh, the yellow. That's actually beautiful. And Heather goes, that's Ashley's favorite color. And Monica's like, that's really pretty. And Heather's like, baby butter yellow. And Lisa's like, that's my favorite color too. Baby butter yellow. <laughs> Mine is Diet Coke brown. Um, Heather goes, Ashley, her daughter is in phases right now where she's like living her best life. And Monica's like, yeah. And Lisa's like, I love this for her. And Heather's like, she's blonde. She's on the beach with a Mercedes and a sorority and a mom that just puts money in her account. I will say, dude, like, I mean, maybe don't let her, you know, like a little bit of the college experience is struggling a little bit, kind of, kind of right. I don't, I, I don't know. I went to ASU. Uh, Lisa goes, I love this. And then Monica goes, has she had sex? And everyone stops and just stares. And Lisa's like, Monica, don't ask. No, Heather, Lisa goes, Heather, don't ask. Like Lisa was like telling Heather, don't ask your daughter. I do have a feeling that Heather would know because we saw earlier in the season with one of her daughters that guy that, that was dating that guy. She talked about kissing, remember? Um, I think Heather is very open with her daughters, but I also agree that it's probably not the it's not the format in which to talk about her daughter's sex life with her daughter's not being there or approval. Of course, this is a no brainer, but also I think this is something of like Heather could have laughed off of like, Oh my God, I'm not talking about that right now. Like it didn't have to be serious. And uh, Heather goes, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. that's Ashley's just, I'm not talking about my daughter's sex life. Heather in a confessional goes, I don't shy away from conversations, but there are certain things that I find disrespectful. And there's certain things I consider sacred. And my daughter's sex life is one of them. And Heather goes, I would never disrespect, disrespect Ashley like that. And Monica's like, I don't think it's like that big of a deal to know what's going on. And Heather goes, like, you mean, what level are you talking about? You want me to ask her like how sex was? And Monica goes, I mean, yeah, Chris Jenner does it all the time. It works. I don't know if she's referring to the, the, the Ray J sex tape. Are you here for the love of Ray J? Angie Kay in a confessional goes, I've known Heather since I was 15, since she was 15. Heather is a very strong LDS young girl. And here we are on the topic of sex is making her very uncomfortable. It's hard to reprogram ourselves after we've taught certain, we've been taught certain things our whole life. I feel like everybody in this van is missing the whole fucking point. Heather is completely comfortable talking about sex. How many times have we seen her joke about it? Have we seen her take home a couple of guys? Remember in the first season? But it's not, it's about talking about sex with of, of her daughter. Like, guys, it's two separate things. Like, Heather's not this, like, some shy, wilting, like, no, Heather, no, Heather's filthy. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but she doesn't want to talk about her daughter having sex. Like, this is such an easy 
explanation. Anyways, Monica in the confessional is like, girl, are you a bad Mormon or not? I feel like a bad Mormon would talk about sex. Once again, yes, but a bad Mormon would still not talk about their daughters doing the hippity dippity. No, no parent wants to be like, yeah, my son is rocking and rolling, getting that puss. Yeah, no way. Anyways, the ladies arrive at the jet ski place and get off the van. The jet ski, jet ski instructor's like, uh, his name's Harry. He's like, hello. And Lisa's like, hi, how are you guys? Very good. Welcome. This must be the birthday girl. Monica's still wearing her sash and tiara. Monica's like, what gave it away? They all laugh. And Harry's like, ladies, welcome to BDA Water Sports. We're going to piss on you today. No, he's like, we're going to take you on a great jet ski adventure. First of all, we need to get you into a life jacket. We see another montage of them all putting life jackets on, walking down the docks. They all get on their jet skis. Lisa and Monica are paired up. Meredith and Heather are paired up. And Angie, Kay, and Whitney. They all crank up the jet skis and get started. Heather in a confessional says, jet skis make me so nervous. You have zero control. My passenger had an IV less than 24 hours ago. And the last thing I need to do is capsize and send her into the ocean. We won't see her for the rest of the trip. I mean, by the way, I feel like this is where Meredith is the most comfortable near water. We see a montage of the ladies jet skiing, having fun. And Angie Kay in a confessional is like, this is the most wet and wild time I've ever had with another woman. I'm Greek. We see her actually holding on to Whitney's boobs. Womp womp. They ride over to a sunken ship and they stop to feed the fish. And the guy's like, you, you, you take a whole piece of bread and you feed it like this. And Lisa's like, oh my God, it's a feeding frenzy. Monica in a confessional goes, this is the best birthday present of all. I have some little companions here that like to eat as much as I do. Monica opens a bag of chips in her confessional and takes a bite. I've seen these fish eat more in the last five minutes than I've seen these women eat as long as I've known them. The ladies write a little bit more and head back to the dock. Very cinematic. This is where I wish we did have pirates. I'm like, oh, hi, matey. Send us over the green goblin in the weird sunglasses. We need her booty. Lisa goes, I love that. Monica, you're nice and safe about the ride. And Monica's like, thank you, Lisa. They're all buddy-buddy now. And the ladies are back on the van getting ready to leave. And Lisa's like, does anyone want a honey stick? And Angie's like, would you like a honey stick, Monica? And Monica's like, definitely not if it turns my teeth blue. I don't even know what they're fucking talking about right now. Heather goes, like an alien. But she's saying this with her big Spider-Man goggles on. And I just, I'm just like, please release Spider-Man Green Goblin. Whitney goes, I'll try a honey stick. Lisa's like, here, these are like, and Angie Kay's like, she's not that fun anymore, is she? And Lisa's like, no, I'm losing my edge. And Angie Kay's like, go back to Kit Kats. Lisa's like, I don't know what happened to me. I did have a Kit Kat this morning. Now the camera flashes back over to Monica, who is reading something on her cellular telephone, and she suddenly gets off the van and storms off. We see her crying as she walks into the building in the bathroom. There's music. It's like dramatic, like boing, 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 boing. And Lisa's like, what's going on because she's following monica meredith on the the van is like wait what just happened i just woke up what just happened is there a bathtub the camera follows lisa into the building you can hear monica sobbing and lisa's like monica 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 what happened and the way lisa says happened is happened what happened what happened Mon- where, where where are you what happened what happened what Oh my God, what happened? What happened? And Monica goes, my mom just made my family not meet me. Why? Come here. And now they're they're behind the bathroom stall door. We can't see them. 
And it sounds like they're both crying now. And Lisa's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then we, you know, we just shot up a bathroom door. And now we're back to the van. And Meredith goes, I was talking to Lisa and she literally just shot up and out of the car. And I saw Monica go out and I thought, I heard her crying. She, um, she's crying, right? And Angie's like, yes, she, she was crying. Back to the bathroom. Now we're in like a different stall. And we, we see us, we see it's like on the, the camera's on the ground. And we see a shot of like four flip flops. One, one flip flop was like a Kanye West flip flop. And I was like, did the cameraman have to lay on the ground to get this shot? Is he getting like upskirt shots? The cameraman's laying on the ground getting this shot of their feet. And Lisa's like, why would she do this to you? And Monica's sobbing. He's like, I feel like I can't breathe. And take a deep breath. Monica in a confessional goes, literally just a couple hours ago, I was getting ready to see my family. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I get a text that they don't want to see me. And I can't help but thanks. And she starts to cry in the talking head that my mom was somehow involved because I know that she wanted to be here. And I know that she's upset that she's not. And I was so excited to see my family. And I was so excited to go through pictures I'd never seen before and hear stories about my grandma. I feel like if my mom can hurt me, she will. And I feel so alone. And it's like one thing to feel like, okay, I have a rocky relationship with my mom. And it's another thing to feel like you have no family at all. Lisa, keep going. Monica, Monica, deep breath. Okay. Everything's fine. Okay. You're fine. We're going to go. Okay. Tin roof rusted. And Monica's like, okay. Monica and Lisa head back to the van. And Lisa's like, take a deep breath. Do it five times. And Monica takes deep breaths. And Lisa fans her face. Very supportive of Lisa. And Lisa's like, okay, you got it. You got it. In a confessional, Lisa says, I can't believe Monica's mom would meddle in something this important to Monica on her birthday. And I feel like it had to be the worst feeling ever. I feel bad for her. Like, I don't know much about the dynamic between Monica and her mom, but clearly it's way different than I thought it was. Now, a lot of people were thinking going like, oh my God, what if she did this and made this all up, Monica, just to get sympathy from Lisa and the ladies? What if her family doesn't even exist in Bermuda? What if this is why Monica originally at the Turning Butter uh, episode said, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. What if these things caught up to her? A lot of people were speculating about this. And I do have answers for you after we do the recap. Um, Lisa goes, it's going to be fine. You didn't do anything wrong at all. And Monica's like, yeah. Oh, shit. My shoe, bitch. Lisa and Monica get back in the van. And Mary's like, Monica, are you okay? And Heather and Angie are like, what's going on? And Monica's like, no, I'm not okay, actually. What's wrong? What's wrong, Monica? Wait, I think my shoe is outside. And Lisa goes, do you need it? Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, I would think she would need the other shoe. Yeah, you know what? Let's just go get it while we're here. Heather goes, your shoe? You lost a shoe? And Monica, she starts to cry. She's like, I'm shoeless, you guys. And Meredith goes, okay, wait, wait, we want to find your shoe. What's going on here? And Monica crying and sniffling and she can't talk without starting to cry. And we see her, you know, you know, salty, uh, salty AF shirt. It should be salty tears AF. And Lisa's like, can I say it, Monica? Can I tell them? Lisa goes, we think her mom called her family and said, don't meet with Monica. So they cancel on her. And Angie's like, are you serious? I'm in the Greek mafia. I'll take care of this. And Lisa's like, yeah. And Monica starts crying again. And Meredith hugs her. And Meredith hugs her. And is like, can I have your bathtub? Can we switch rooms now? 
Heather goes, they canceled? And Lisa's like, yeah. And Angie's like, I'm so sorry. And Meredith goes, I know this really hurts. And Lisa's like, it's okay. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And Monica goes, how do I have like no family? Like fucking seriously, I have no fucking family. And Lisa's like, you do. And Monica's like, I don't, I don't. And Lisa goes, Monica. Angie K goes, Monica, you have those four beautiful girls. Heather, this is the moment where she's just staring with those big old goofy Spider-Man glasses. And I, it's like, I was like emotionally invested. And then they get a shot of Heather just staring with the glasses. And it took me completely out of it. Lisa goes, you have your four beautiful girls. And you know what? We are excited to be here with you. And when he goes, just let her have a minute. And Lisa's like, you're going to be okay. I promise. Monica, I'm sorry she did that to you. I am so sorry. And Whitney's like, I'm sorry she let you down again. And Monica's, no, but this is like so big. I feel like I already don't know like so much about myself. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like not wanted like anywhere. Like I'm not wanted at my in-laws, like my own family. Like it's just the shittiest fucking feeling. And to know my own mother is just like, it's so gross. I just feel gross. And Angie K goes, we need to make your birthday better. So let's get back on it. Let's get back in our happy place. And Whitney goes, Monica, I love you. And I want you here. And I'm glad you're here. And Angie K goes, we're going to have fun. Greek fun. And Monica's like, thank you. And Lisa's like, Monica, I can't be sorry enough that this happened to you. And Monica's like, thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. Heather in a confessional goes, we, I'll get you Spider-Man. No, Heather in a confessional goes, we've been talking about her visiting her family from the first night we planned this trip. I mean, this is why we're in Bermuda. I feel terrible for her that all of a sudden they're unwilling to meet with her. And Heather goes, listen, Linda, you're not going to ruin our day. Linda being her mom. And Meredith goes, Linda, crazy Linda. And Angie's like, we're having a birthday party. And Lisa's like, okay, are we ready? And the ladies pull up to a private beach area for lunch to enjoy the beach. And Jonathan, the van driver, is like, the residence has got some chairs set up and lunch for you. And Heather's like, oh, wonderful. That sounds great. Oh my God, this is so gorgeous. Look at this cove. And Lisa's like, you did everything. You guys, look at what Heather did. Like, wait, somebody else put some chairs up. What are you fucking taught? Like, she didn't build the cove. Angie K goes, you went all out, girl. And Lisa's like, wow, amazing. Am I going crazy with a fucking bunch of, like, a little cooler with some chairs? Meredith's like, wow, are these, um, are these the sandwiches you've been talking about, and Heather? And when he's like, yes. And Heather's like, it's a Bermudian fish sandwich. And Lisa's like, are they really? And Heather's like, and they're delicious. Yes. How long have the fish sandwiches been sitting out? I just, I would, I would love to just a personal, I just, just me and fish sandwiches. I would love to know. Um, Heather goes, uh, no, sorry. Meredith goes, oh my gosh, fish, fish sandwiches. Lisa goes, oh, there's more treats. And Meredith's like, there's tons of food. There's tons of food. And Lisa's like, Heather, you thought of everything. Meredith, once again, I don't know why we just keep going. Wow. It's amazing. Look at this. Like they've never seen food before in their life. Lisa's like, oh my gosh, I kind of am obsessed that we have these fish sandwiches. Heather pops champagne and the ladies cheers to Bermuda and to Monica's birthday. And Angie K asked Monica, hey, how are those Cheetos birthday girl? And Monica's like, they're perfect. And Angie K goes, your crown is like hanging on by a little thread. And Monica's like, well, that's about right for my life. And they all laugh. And Lisa's like, we should play a game. And you guys know I don't really like games. So this is like, would be funny for me. We should play Mary fuck kill with husbands and ex-husbands. And Angie K's like, how do you play this game? And Heather goes, you know how to play this game. And Angie K goes, no, really, I've never played it. And Meredith goes, okay, I'll start. I'll start. Mary fuck kill. Okay. I would, um, let's see. I would marry fuck kill 
all set at the same time. <laughs> and Lisa goes, she said all at the same time. Oh my God, that's naughty. And then Monica, it's her turn. And she's like, she would marry Justin, Whitney's husband. She would fuck Seth. All right, Monica would fuck good old Seth. I'd come back from Canton, Ohio, where I've got a very successful business. I'm a podcaster to the stars and I'd be fucking Monica. Amazing. And then Monica says she'd kill Sean. Sean. And then she goes, no, I would fuck Sean and Seth. And Lisa's like, wow. And Angie goes, do we reply back or we just go along with it? And everybody's like, just go along with it. And Whitney goes, yeah, we always say that. And it ends so badly when we got, when we talk, Angie's like, oh my God, are we talking about other people's husbands? And Whitney's like, okay, I would marry John Barlow and then I would fuck Sean and I would kill Seth. And Meredith kind of looks nonplussed, like, how dare you, how dare you kill my husband? But they all laugh. And Lisa goes, okay, I would either marry Justin or Sean, because I think they are funny and cool and stable. And I would fuck John Barlow, because I can't fuck anybody else. And uh, they're like, well, that's not actually how you play the game, Lisa. You got to fuck somebody else. I can't think of anyone else. I love John. And then Monica goes, okay, well, how about a celebrity? And then Lisa goes, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Idris. Like, without, like, Monica is like, name a celebrity. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Like, 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 she's been thinking about Idris Elba since the show started. Idris Elba. Heather in confessional goes, God damn, Lisa, let's, let's John's body get cold before you jump on top of Idris Elba's. She was waiting to say that answer her entire life. What? What? Number two, Idris Elba. Angie K says she would marry Justin, kill Monica's ex-husband and fuck her own husband. And Monica goes, oh, my Lord. Heather said she'd pick Seth for everything. That's worrisome. Um, She's like, I'd fuck him, kill him and marry him and then take all his money. All right. Somebody's saying that I got some money, that I've got a steady gig, steady income. I love it. Heather, I'll fuck you. All right, let's go. I'm set. The ladies all laugh and they finish their fish sandwiches that they all love. And Meredith goes, I need to get in the sun because I'm cold. <laughs> Meredith, Meredith's like, I need a bathtub immediately. Lisa's like, let's go for a walk, Ange. And Angie Kay's like, okay, I've got to stand up and move for just a minute. And Lisa's like, I need to move. My circulation is like shit right now. You're going to get a workout with me. The other ladies stay behind and lounge on the beach with their champagne. Lisa and Angie walk. And Lisa's like, this sand is like amazing. And Angie Kay's like, beautiful. Angie Kay also, I want to point out her ridiculous sunglasses, but she does it every week. But she has these big old like windshield wiper purple sunglasses on. They're insane. And Lisa goes, so I have to tell you something. It's been literally so hard for me to keep my mouth shut, but I just wanted to tell you alone. So Monica texted me after breakfast. She asked me to come to her room and she's like, can I get your opinion on something? And I'm like, yeah, girl, what's up? And I guess she talked to Meredith and Meredith said to this is like the worst game to tell him. Meredith said to Monica, like she basically basically thinks you're in the Greek mafia. Angie K only hears the word Greek. She's like, I am Greek. No, Greek mafia. And Angie K uh, kills Lisa on the spot. <laughs> Angie K's like, uh, how was I found out? And she pulls out a silencer. Heather back at the, the fish sandwich beach. Heather's like, you said you'd fuck two of the husbands when you only had to say one. She's talking to, uh, who's, who's that? She's talking to Whitney. I don't Anyways, Lisa goes about a week ago, Meredith said to Monica, she basically thinks you're the Greek mafia. And Angie K is like, Meredith thinks I'm in the Greek mafia. 
you, you. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And Angie Kane, a confessional goes, this is ridiculous. Well, I'd own the mafia. Shit. That's cool, right? <laughs> and then she awkwardly laughs. <laughs> I am Greek mafia. Anyways, Angie K in this scene goes, Meredith really believes that I'm in the Greek mafia? Yes. Well, wait, it gets more. There's more to it. So apparently right before the trip, Monica gets DM'd all these documents about a Sean Katzenavis. They're like bankruptcies and then like tax information. And it's saying that you're part of the mafia. And I said, that's Meredith's DMing you. This is what she did last year with my SEC filing. It's wrong. I mean, I don't have proof, but I'm like, I feel like she spread the SEC documents about me last year, which jumping forward, when Lisa responds that she has a cybersecurity team, where the fuck was the cybersecurity team with these SEC documents? Like you couldn't crack the code? Angie K goes, because this is just what Meredith does. She is constantly threatening or trying to threaten my family, my reputation going and fucking digging shit on me. And if she wants to keep coming for me, she's making a fucking lifetime commitment. I do think this is, and by the way, I don't think Angie K is a part of Greek mafia, but I do think now she will look into being a part of the Greek mafia to take care of the Meredith situation. Like, I think this is like putting ideas in Angie K's head. Angie K in a confessional goes, Meredith is dismissing everything that I've worked for and I fucking had it. And I'm sick of her coming at my business. I'm sick of her coming at my family. It's like enough is enough. And if she wants to see gangster, I'm going to show her gangster. I do hope we do see gangster Angie K for the rest of the season. Well, she's like, you got, you got shit to say. Why don't you say it to my guy, fat Tony? I brought him from Greece. <laughs> Angie K in the scene goes, why does she bother to be nice to me when this is what she's doing behind my back? Like she's a phony fucking baloney. Oh my God. That is straight gangster talk. Phony fucking baloney. That is gangs, gangsta, gangsta. Lisa and Angie K head back to the group beach. And Lisa's like, come on my little gangster. This is a great time, too. We just talked about Mormon raps. I know Lisa is friendly with Snoop Dogg. I think Snoop Dogg needs to come out and like do like a Greek rap by the end of the season. Like, yeah, you like Angie. I can't even. <laughs> it's going to try to do it. Anyways. Okay. So we're now back with the other ladies. Back to the house. And uh, Angie K goes to Monica. She's like, Monica, are you feeling better? Monica's like, yeah, now I feel fine. Angie's like, good, I'm Greek. And then Lisa's like, I got to figure out what I'm going to wear tonight. And tonight's the pirate themed dinner and she only has hoop earrings. And when he's like, did you bring anything pirate at all? And she's like, hoop earrings. That's something. Now we go to Heather's room and she's FaceTiming her daughter, Ashley. And Heather's like, oh my gosh, Ashley, are you there? Are you there? Um, and Ashley's like, yeah, mom, I'm here. And she's like, babe, it didn't even ring. I'm in a foreign country. And Ashley's like, I need some updates. And Heather's like, it's been pretty good. There's been some drama. Well, mom with you or the other girls. Well, I got into it with Monica and Ashley's like, what was the drama? Well, she wanted me to like, talk about your sex life. And I said, no, I refused. And Ashley's like, oh geez. And Heather's like, yeah, it's a non-starter. Don't come for me and don't talk to me about my daughter's sexual life or my own. Now, once again, yes, I am in full agreement, but maybe don't have this scene where you have Ashley, your daughter on FaceTime telling her, telling her like I said, no about your sex life because then it just makes people question her sex life in a sense. And then Heather goes, and I won't talk about my own. But once again, I feel like we've talked about Heather's sex life. We, I, I, I don't know. It, it just feels a little. Uh, anyways, Heather in a confessional says, Ashley, she's an adult woman. I respect her. I love her. I've raised her well. And her sex life is not privy for my friends or for me. 
And I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, Heather's a great mom. Um, so Ashley's like, well, I'm sure you're managing the best uh, you can. Gotta go. Gotta go hook up with a guy. No. She, and Heather's like, well, I think I got my point across. Love you. Hope you're having a great time. I hope you're having great sex. And I don't need to hear about it to know that. So Heather gets that little zinger in. I would have loved it if this conversation ended with Ashley going, mom, um, can you put a little money in the in the account, please? Anyways, we're at a new scene. We go down to the beach and Whitney is sitting in the chair under an umbrella reading Heather's book. Did you hear Heather has a book called Bad Mormon? Well, Whitney's finally reading it. Whitney in a confessional goes, fun fact that might shock people is I actually read books. And there's a flashback to three days earlier where Whitney's putting Heather's book in her suitcase and Whitney's like, I never thought I would read this. And Justin's like, oh, wow. Have you started it? Not yet. And now back to the confessional, Whitney's like, I love true crime books, books about spirituality, books about business, but my favorite are always the thrillers. And it seems like Heather's life is a combination of all of that. But if you think about that, not just Heather's life, this whole show is a combination of all of this. True crime with Jen Shaw, spirituality with Whitney, books about business. You could go any which way. You could go Meredith, you could go Lisa, you could go Angie Kay, but my favorites are always the thrillers. And that is what this whole situation between Monica Meredith and Angie Kay is. It's a thriller. Anyways, we now go back to the house and see Angie Kay knocking on Monica's door. And, uh, you know, they're doing the, oh my God, look at your room. No, look at your room, blah, blah, blah. And Monica opens the door to the balcony to show her outside. And Angie's like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. This is gorgeous. And Monica's like, I know, isn't it stunning? It's like a dream. And then Angie Kay's like, well, I hate to bring this up on your birthday, but I'm Greek. No, she goes, but I just want you to know that Lisa told me what you shared with her this morning that Meredith said about me. And Monica's like, yeah. And Monica in the confessional goes, I have already gotten in trouble for repeating Vumas that I heard. So that better not be what's happening again. We see a flashback to Greek Easter when Angie Kay and Monica fought over the rumors about Sean Katsanavis about being in the mean streets of Salt Lake City, hearing the rumors and the lies. Monica goes, did she tell you about the DMs I received? And Angie Kay says, uh, yeah, she shared everything with me. And Monica's like, are you upset that I told Lisa? And Angie Kay's like, no, not at all. Angie Kay goes, I just needed to hear it from the horse's mouth. And Monica goes, okay, well, just so you know, I did not tell Lisa this part, but something that seemed I love that. I love that Monica saved a little bit to tell Angie. Like, I didn't tell Lisa this, but I saved it for you. But she says, well, after I spoke with Lisa, the wheels started turning and I've had time to like be like, wait, what the F's happening? I would have never known about the DM and having all of that in my inbox, except for Meredith called me and said, hey, have you gotten any DMs? And Angie's like, hmm. And Monica goes, I was like, no, I don't get messages about any of you guys. Which, by the way, I don't know if I fully believe that because I believe like the other Angie and Jen Shaw has probably messaged her pre-prison Jen Shaw messaged her about. Anyways, uh, so Monica's like, well, and she Meredith's like, well, I got one. So you must have got one. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why would I get anything? And she was like, well, go check. And there it was. And Angie K goes, I love that little breadcrumb that she left for you. She should really bring this to my Greek face instead of trying to get you to do her dirty work because that's what she's doing, Monica. And Monica's like, yeah. And Angie's like, oh, and then she's going to sit back and sip her little cocktail and watch it all go down. And in the end, you look like the big mouth and you look like the troublemaker. And Monica goes, well, I mean, I do have a big mouth. And Angie goes, that's okay. 
but use it for something good, right? And Monica goes, I mean, here's the thing. She knows that I will say it. Angie K goes, that's what I'm saying. And Monica's like, and that I'll come out with it. And then I'll be like, this is what's being said. This is the boomer. This is the rumor. This is this, this is that. But yeah, I wanted you to know that. And Angie K is like, I am grateful that you did not just keep this in because it gives me the opportunity to address it. Um, Angie K goes, so happy birthday. And Monica goes, we're going to have a great night. And Angie's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's been enough for you. And Monica goes, you can bring it up. So isn't it great how the tables turn, how housewives, you can never really predict. I mean, thinking about that Greek Easter, Angie K and Monica were no bueno. And now with a little piece of information, Monica is back on Angie K's good side for tonight. Monica in a confessional says, I definitely feel like Angie and Meredith need to just duke it out. And it needs to happen at my birthday party. I don't care. I'm good with it. I can get my cake to go because I also know that's the only way I'm going to be able to eat it. Also, Monica has really been able to rally from the bathroom scene about not being able to go to visit her family that she hasn't seen for 30 years. She's rallied. Um, so Angie Kay's like, we're going to celebrate your birthday. And Monica's like, well, in true Monica form, start some shit, girl. Now we come back to Monica's room where she's FaceTime with her daughter, Brie. And Brie is like, hey. Monica's like, oh, seeing your face makes me so happy. And she's like, well, how's your birthday so far, mom? And Monica says, in a confessional, Brie came out of the womb just like an old soul. She's so chill and calm and she understands our family dynamic and she sees all sides. So the only person that I, I have wanted to talk to since everything went down with my meeting my family is Brie. So Monica's like, what are you doing? And Brie's like, picking up Wesley. I love, I mean, her daughter looks like she's like 16. Looks like she's driving like the Range Rover or something. And I love, I mean, this kind of reminds me of Whitney. My favorite scene this season when Whitney bought her daughter, Bobby, who's 13, a big old golf cart that looks like it goes 40 miles per hour. And Whitney's like, she can help me pick up the kids at school. <laughs> it's like, wait, why is Bobby driving around in a fancier golf cart than my Corolla? Anyways, uh, Monica's like, is she with you yet? No, no, not yet. I'm waiting for her to get out of school. And so they keep talking. And Monica goes, okay, you know, how I was supposed to go like, see my family. And Bree's like, yeah, well, I think that Vovo like got involved and they decided that they didn't want to let me come over and see me anymore. And then they completely ghosted me and stopped taking my calls and responding my texts. And Bree's like, what could she have told them that would make them cut you off completely? Also, it could have been a thing where they just didn't want to be on TV. They decided that it was too much. Who knows? But Monica goes, I don't know, but I had a complete meltdown. Like I ran off the bus and like ran to the bathroom and was like bawling my eyes out and I couldn't even catch my breath. I was so embarrassed. And Bree's like, mom, just know that there's nothing that you did. And anything that they heard came from Bovo. It shouldn't reflect who you are. And I'm sorry. Cause that's terrible. I'm so sorry. And Monica's like, thank you. This is why I always tell you and your sister that at the end of the day, all you guys have is each other. Now it is one of those things like you do feel for Monica, but it also, it is interesting how we repeat patterns of behavior and family. I think we talked about that at the beginning of the episode, how we do, you know, pick up things from our parents and Brie does seem like an old soul and she does seem put together, but I do have to imagine, I wonder what Brie and the other children feel about, I don't know, you know, like I don't have kids, so I don't know. I, I can't pretend to know, but I would imagine I remember, you know, my parents didn't hide things from me, but I do, you know, they would be open. But I remember, you know, much later in life, I think my mom on the podcast once was like, hey, there were times when we struggled to make, uh, you know, payments on the house, you know, like we, we, and, but we kept that from you guys because we didn't want to worry you about it. And, uh, you know, I got to say, 
wow, that's really amazing. Cause I would have worried about it. I worried about it. I worried about nuclear war. You guys, I was that little kid that thought we were going to be like nuked off the planet at a certain point. I mean, I think actually I should probably worry now more than ever, but anyways, that's not the point. But I mean, I just remember being protected. I mean, there was a period of time in high school where my dad did lose his job and he was always just there until he got a new job. And that was tough, but there was no way to hide that from us. And I'm glad they didn't. But there are certain things that I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have children, but I wonder if being this open about these things, how it will affect her kids in the long run. I don't have an answer for that. So Monica in a confessional says, I don't think that they know yet how lucky they are to have that little tribe of sisters. And I hope that they never take that for granted because growing up as an only child, all I wanted was a sibling. And if I did nothing else right in my life, I know that giving my girls each other is the best thing I've ever done. And then Monica finishes the call with her daughter and goes, and never, ever leave me and never, ever leave me. Cause I'll find you. And then she's like, ha, 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 but that's also a little scary. Now we cut to seeing the ladies get ready for the pirate theme night. Some of the ladies have glam. Others are doing it themselves. Lisa and Meredith are ready first. And then Heather walks in and Lisa is in just a normal, you know, just this pink get up outfit. She looks beautiful, but Heather is in a full pirate costume. Heather doesn't even look like the main pirate either. Heather looks like, like the assistant to the assistant of the main pirate. Heather's like, oh, are you going to the same party, Lisa, that I'm going to? And she's at least like, girl, I'm wearing hoops and I just dug for gold belt. Because the belt is gold. I mean, clever Lisa trying to, you know, make it pirate themed. Heather's like, I mean, you look like a wench, but not necessarily of the seven seas. This is the other thing, too, is Heather makes a lot of sexy jokes. So it is interesting when then Heather feigns like, I will not talk about sex. Once again, I don't mean her daughter's sex life, but her own. Because I feel like I've heard a lot of jokes of Heather joking about her own sex life in the first season. Um Heather to Meredith goes, well, let me see your outfit. And Meredith is wearing a white off the shoulder blouse, a black mini skirt. She also has a scarf tied around her head like a turban. And, uh, you know, Heather's like, well, the piratey blouse is great. The courageous skirt is Meredith's like, it's piratey. It's black cotton. And Heather's like, it's vixeny. And then Monica walks in. She's, I mean, like, listen, this girl's born to be a pirate. She's in full pirate costume. She's even drawn on a little mustachio and a pirate beard. And Monica's like, my wenches. And Lisa's like, you went for this. And Monica's like, I had to. And Heather goes, Monica, we have matching belts. And then Angie K walks in last in her pirate ca- costume. And she's like, ahoy, mateys. And everybody says, happy birthday. Uh, in a confessional, Heather says, one of Monica's birthday wishes was to have a dinner where everyone dressed up like pirates. Pirates seem actually pretty appropriate for us. We're one step above the plunderers as it is. There'll be drunkenness. There'll be debauchery. There'll be everything that a pirate dinner should have. I still do think how funny is it that her birthday wish, if it is to be believed, is like, you know, oh, dear, dear birthday gods, please someday let me have a pirate dinner where we can all dress up like pirates. Uh, the ladies head to the van. Lisa calls up to Whitney and tells her to meet him in the car. Heather to Monica says, hey, did you borrow Whitney's eyeliner and she needed it back? Is that why she's delayed? Because it looks like you used her eyeliner on your beard. And Monica goes, that's not why she's delayed. Whitney finally comes to the van in her pirate costume. And Mary's like, oh, there she is. Hey, what's going on? And Heather's like, oh, hello, Vixen. My costume came with something really funny. My outfit came with a G-string. And I thought it was an eye patch. And I put it on. Monica's like, a G-string? And everybody's laughing. Lisa's like, that's hilarious. And Monica goes, a pirate G-string? Oh, my gosh. 
So the ladies had to dinner, but also I would have loved to have seen a photo of Whitney. And um, by the way, that is kind of, that would be, is that, I mean, that's kind of hot, actually. A G-string pirate? Like a G-string, I don't know. Anyways, the ladies head to dinner at a very, like they arrived to a very long staircase leading to the restaurant. The ladies are really struggling with their heels. A lot of, uh, ah, uh, uh. And Whitney's like, I'm going to die walking in my platforms. In a conventional, Whitney says, I should have done more research into what pirate shoes look like, because clearly stilettos were not invented yet. And then we meet Cosmine, the the head waiter. And he's like, hello, I am Cosmine, and I will be your waiter tonight. Um, we'll just we're right this way. And they walk through this beautiful cave to their table. All the ladies, especially Monica, so excited. Whitney's still struggling in her shoes. And Lisa's like, oh, we're really in a cave. Whitney in a confessional goes, it's impossible to walk the plank in stilettos. It was hard to be a wench in 19, I mean, 1896. I'm just so focused on not falling in the grates. The ladies arrive at their table, which is situated right over the water. And Angie Kay's like, I think it's going to be a good, fun night. I will say, Angie, she's starting to loosen up. I think she realized, okay, I'm in most of the season so far. I don't have to worry about getting kicked off or being a friend of. But I do like about Angie Kay that she's super positive at the beginning of, she's like, this is going to be the best. Oh my God. I love fish sandwiches. This is going to be the best. Lisa's like, yeah, we're good. We have a great menu. And the ladies all order a cocktail. Like Cosmine's like, can I get you something? What, uh, you know, and Angie's like, what's the uh, dark, the dark and stormy? It is a dark and stormy drink. It's good. Uh, the ladies all order a cocktail, except for Meredith, who just orders hot tea. And Monica goes, okay, you guys, I really just want to thank you for leaning in, coming dressed as your best wench self, best pirate self. I thought pirates would be cool because we're in Bermuda. Bermuda Triangle and the devil is the devil's eye. Pirates, shipwreck, buried booty, all of that. So thank you for coming in full force. I love it. And uh, she uh, she pats Whitney's boob. She pats Whitney's boob. And then Monica goes, I have an idea. Since I felt sex shamed earlier on the bus, that scene with Heather, I would just like to ask, what was when was the last time everybody had sex and everybody gets quiet? This would be a great time for Mary Cosby to come in. I'm like, I'll tell you, my grandpa. No, um, I do miss Mary right now. Um, so Monica in the confessional goes, I don't know if it's like the culture, if it's Utah or what, but talking about sex is like, how dare you? You know, it's like, don't. Shh. Whitney goes, I had sex right before I left for the airport. And Monica's like, oh, good for you. And then I almost did last night, but my vibrator is dead. And Lisa's like, Oh, and Monica goes, that's tragic. And then Whitney goes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just threw that in because I don't want to be sex shamed. So I don't know what she's kidding about. Like, is she kidding about the vibrator part? Or is she kidding about the sex with Justin part? Regardless. Also, how do the vibrators work? Is there like a, do you plug it in? Is it a charge? I'm, I don't know why I'm whispering, but is, is it a chargeable thing? Do you have batteries? Is it all, is it solar powered? Like how, I mean, how does a vibrator, I mean, is it like an iPhone? Anyways. Monica's like, that's tragic. Okay, so Angie K goes, well, I had goodbye sex before my trip. Yeah, because Sam was like, peace out, goodbye. Uh, Monica's like, ah, and then Angie K goes, a quickie. And then Monica goes, there you go. Also, does anybody believe any of these ladies at the table throughout their answers? Lisa in a confessional goes, like it feels in, it feels like in middle school, getting pressured into saying like, when's the last time you kissed a boy? And I'm like, oh my God, don't ask me. And Monica goes, Lisa. And Lisa's like, night before. And Monica's like, woo, woo, wait, Meredith didn't answer. Um, and Meredith's like, well, Seth left town. 
like a day and a half before me. So um, the day before I left, the day before he left. Uh, so I definitely don't think Meredith had sex with Seth the day before. I love if Meredith would have been like, Seth left town like a day and a half ago. So I guess a day ago. <laughs> and then Monica goes, Heather. And Heather's like, I'm not answering. And Monica's like, you hate when people don't play games, Heather. And now you're not going to play. And Heather goes, I answered. Well, I didn't hear you. Well, I said, I'm not going to answer. All of you guys are married, so it's an unfair question, and it's an unfair game. And Whitney's like, no, it's not. Whitney should have been like, shut the fuck up, Heather. Angie K goes, hey, no judgment. And Heather goes, like, you all have spouses, so it's like a good game. And Whitney goes, so? Like, single people have sex, too. And Angie K goes, I get it. And Heather goes, I'm well aware, but I'm not going to share. I'm not going to talk about it. In a confessional, Heather says, I don't want to discuss sex with Monica. I am a New York Times bestselling. No, she goes, because I have seen the way she discusses sex and it makes me very uncomfortable. Flashback to two months earlier when Monica just blurts out, I fucked my brother-in-law for 18 months. Now, once again, I feel like we're getting lost in like some semantics here is that she discussed a situation that happened that broke up her marriage. It wasn't like, you know, I like to be flipped around and a little style of the doggy. You know what I'm talking? You know, it wasn't specifics. It was just, this is something that happened to her. It wasn't like, you know what I, you know, what makes me scream. Like it wasn't like that. So Heather goes, well, it's just to be respectful of like the fact that I'm single and I'm not in a marriage. And like, it's not about sex shaming, but it's like really shitty that you would like act like I'm ashamed to talk about it when I'm just like trying to live my life and not be exposed. I'm the only single person here. So like, I think it's fair for me to say, and Monica goes, no, you're not. And Heather's like, you're married. And Monica goes, I am literally going through a divorce and I would be divorced if that fucker would sign the papers just because he won't sign the papers doesn't mean that I'm married. And Heather goes, you think you're as single as me? And Monica goes, um, I do think I'm as single. If I want to go fuck someone right now, I would go fuck someone right now. That's as single as it gets. This would be great if Cosme was like, it is me, Cosme, and your waiter. I heard somebody uh, is calling me for sex. No, she goes, so yeah, I do think I'm as single as you, Heather. Just because Mike won't sign the papers has nothing to do with how single someone is. It doesn't. You can sit here and judge my relationship and sex life all you want. And Heather's like, I'm not. I'm just saying, don't come at me and say you're single as me when you're not. And Monica goes, it's the fact that you don't want to play the game, but you make it about me. And Heather goes, I played the game with my answer. And Lisa goes, listen, I respect how she feels about this. And Monica's like, no one said that we didn't. And Heather goes, shut the fuck up. And then she pauses. She goes, like Whitney said to me last night. And Monica's like, wow. I love that Heather immediately says, shut the fuck up, even though she was like, that was uncalled for last night. And she realizes in that moment. So she, she goes, like Whitney said to me last night. I never would have said that, but Whitney put it in my head. Um, and then there's like awkward silence. And Whitney's like, we should not play games anymore. <laughs> More awkward silence. Everyone's continuing to eat and drink. And there's like this weird synth music of like, <laughs> and Whitney's like, so um, the food's good. More awkward silence. And Angie Kay's like, uh, I'm Greek. No, Angie Kay goes, I actually want to take the heat off you too. And so Meredith, you have yet again come for me. And Meredith is just staring in her little, her little scar, her little Brett Michaels headscarf, just staring at her, sipping her tea. And Meredith goes, I don't know what you're referring to. And Angie's like, be quiet. I'm about to tell you. Okay, Angie K, go ahead and tell me. And he's like, well, I'm going to wet my whistle because it's kind of a lot of information. And she takes a sip of her drink. She's going to wet her whistle. And Angie K goes, 
you're accusing me of doing fraudulent things that I'm in the Greek mafia. And Heather in a confessional goes, wait, what? Angie's in the Greek mafia? I grew up with Angie and trust me, she's no Tony Soprano. Now we've had the second line where remember earlier, Angie's like, I grew up with Heather and she doesn't talk about sex. And now we have the same from Heather to Angie K. And Meredith goes, where are you hearing this stuff? And Angie Kay's like, well, you have one fucking employee. I have hundreds of people. And what you are doing is risking the livelihood of my employees by spreading rumors that I'm in the fucking mafia. And Meredith goes, I didn't say any of this, Angie. I never said that. And Angie's like, well, that I'm being fraudulent. I have never said that you were in the mafia. Well, that I'm being dishonest with my money. I have never accused you. Well, can a Greek person not be successful in their finances? By the way, that's a great t-shirt. Angie K, I know you're making Greek mafia mugs, but what about a t-shirt that says, can a Greek person not be successful in their finances? And Meredith goes, I have made no claims of anything, Angie. And Angie's like, oh, so this is all made up. I have not made these claims. And Lisa's like, you've never talked to anybody about any of these things. You've never had one conversation about any of these things. And Meredith goes, I've never had a conversation where I have said anything of that nature about you. And Monica's mouth drops wide open. Monica in a confessional goes, are you kidding? This is bold face bullshit happening right now. And Monica goes, uh, Meredith, we did have that conversation. We did talk about her being in the Greek mafia. And Meredith goes, I did not say that. And Monica's like, yeah, we did. Let's just own it. You know what else we heard? Thanks to some DMs that were sent to me on Instagram, which also very fucking strange. And Angie's like, I heard, I heard. And Monica goes, you owe $170,000 to the IRS. And Angie K goes, I don't. Who was saying that, Meredith? And Monica's like, I got DMs sent to me on Instagram. And Meredith goes, I didn't say that. And technically, if this is Meredith, she didn't say it. She sent a DM. She DM'd, you know, maybe it's like, you know, tomato, tomato. Angie K goes, you got the DMs. Interesting. Monica said that after you called her and told her to look in her DMs, suddenly after your conversation, that some documents appeared from a fake account. Tell them, Monica. And Monica's like, yeah, you called me. And by the way, they all just look ridiculous in their pirate outfits having this conversation. You called me one night, Meredith. You said, did you get a DM from so-and-so account? I got one. I go, and look, lo and behold, it's all there. I don't know who the person is, but I know who everyone thinks it is. I am starting to feel like I've heard this story way too many times about the explanation. Meredith goes, well, it's not me. It's really not. And Lisa's like, this is suspicious. And when he goes, well, last year there was DMs going around about Lisa with the SCC filing and you're the one who brought that up. And Lisa's like, it feels almost exactly the same way. And Whitney goes, it's pretty obvious that you're doing this behind the scenes. And Meredith goes, I'm not doing anything. I'm living my life. I work my ass off. I don't have time for this. Meredith in a confessional is like, at this point, with this group of women, the accusations aren't even surprising. I don't know what the issue is here. I don't know if it's just, you know, jealousy i don't know if it's hatred i don't really know but they have been incessantly coming after me for nothing and when he's like i've never heard of this and lisa's like never heard of it and meredith goes never heard of what of a dm and monica's like you've never heard of her claiming bankruptcy and lisa's like no 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 and then angie k goes look it up Google me, bitch. I do, she really goes, Google me, bitch. I do fucking millions of dollars in business. Millions. I'll give you my social security number, my birthday. Google. By the way, this is a perfect dinner for Jen Shaw to be at. She's like, yeah, give me that social security number. Give it. I need it. Mama needs it. 
She's like, Google me. Google my family, bitch. There's not shit on the Katsanevas family. Which, by the way, her saying all this does really sound gangster. Meredith goes, I haven't said that there is. And Angie K goes, do you hear me? There is not shit. You are not going to fucking come for my family. And Lisa goes, I believe you sent the DM to Monica. And Angie K goes, you're fucking classless. And Meredith goes, well, I didn't. And Meredith is barely getting her BPM over 80. Like it's very, she's very calm. And Lisa goes, it's done. Meredith, it's done. You're done. We're sick of this. I'm so done with you doing this mean shit to all of us. Stop it. Meredith goes, I'm not doing anything. I'm not. This is like when you used to get bullied by a kid and they would make you hit yourself and you'd be like, stop hitting me. And you're like, um, (laughs) Meredith would be like, I'm not hitting you. You're hitting yourself. You're eating. I'm not doing anything to you. You're eating. And Lisa goes, you did it to Mary. You did it to Jen. You said before Jen was even gotten arrested. She's going to have a Rico case, a racketeering case. What's going to come out about me next? Say it now because I don't want fucking DMs sent to Monica, Angie, Heather, and Whitney. And me, Cosmin. I don't want DMs as well. Cosmin, the waiter. And Monica's like, well, that's how I feel. Say it now. And Meredith goes, okay, Lisa. And Lisa says, Meredith, I don't give a fuck. I'm so over this. I'm so over this. And Meredith goes, there's nothing to be over because I'm not doing anything. And Lisa goes, she's made me fucking livid when she told me earlier. You did fucking stop doing it. I'm not doing it. You want to dig up stuff on people? We'll all start doing it. And I will fucking go to the end. Trust me. I'm fucking livid. And Meredith goes, I'm not doing anything. I'm fucking livid. I'm not doing anything. And then Lisa to the waiter goes, Crossman, can I get some bread? His name's Co- it's Crossman. And they do a fun, like, fun little Chiron where they're like Crossman and cross it out and Cosmine. And, but Lisa, I love that in the middle of this fight, she's like, I'm, I'm starving. And then she goes to Heather, is that his name? I need to know. I just need bread. I need bread. The way Lisa goes, do you need bread? I need it with butter. (laughs) Can you imagine? They're in this intense whodunit. And then like, I need carbs and salted butter. Please cause me. Angie K goes, you know, you've done this, Meredith. If you would come forward and admit it, we can move on. I'm not doing anything. And then Lisa goes, you know what? I feel like you've looked at Monica like you used to look at Whitney and sent him to Monica. And it's like, hey, Monica's a vehicle to get this out there. And Meredith goes, do you guys think I sit around doing all that? And Angie K goes, do your fucking dirty work yourself. And Whitney goes, yes, because I did it for you last year. And Lisa's like, yes, yes, you do. Yes. And Meredith goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I will say I love Meredith Marks, but I do think I know I do think there is potential that she did do this. I do. I also don't. I mean, all's fair in love and housewives. You know, it's a game of survivor nowadays. Lisa in a confessional goes, I don't I don't get how Meredith doesn't realize like we're on to you. Like it doesn't take Inspector Gadget to figure out what you're doing. She doesn't have superpowers. Like she can't make this go away. There's no invisibility cloak. You're guilty. I love how she cross like cross genres. She went from dun dun dun, dun, dun Inspector Barlow, dun dun dun, dun, dun woohoo, to superpowers like a, like a Superman and then to an invisibility cloak like Harry Potter. She's like crossing through all sci-fi genres. I also do think that in, instead of Inspector Gadget, Inspector Barlow, dun dun dun, dun, dun Inspector Barlow, dun dun dun, 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 dun Diet Coke. 
Lisa's like, I will not deal with lies. If you want to talk in truth, I'm all for it. If we're going to start lying and covering up stuff and rewriting history, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't be a part of that. I can't be a part of that at all. And listen, if one more fucking DM shows up, I will have my cybersecurity team go the distance with it. Boom! We find out that Lisa Barlow has a cybersecurity. C- <laughs> C-U-B, Cyber Utah Barlow. It's me, Lisa. Tell all the guys in my cyber force to go all the way with it. And Meredith goes, go for it. Yeah, go for it. And Lisa goes, I will. IP addresses. And you know what? There are easy ways to hide things, but you can always figure out who's doing stuff. Whitney in a confessional goes, why in the hell does Lisa have a cyber security guy? Like, do I need to get one? <laughs> Maybe she should have gotten that for Bobby for her birthday instead of that golf cart. Like, Bobby, this is your own cybersecurity guy. His name's Randy. He'll help you. Heather in a confessional goes, I know she has seven attorneys. I can only assume this is like Geek Squad and Armani. Rimshot, please tip your waiters. Lisa in a confessional goes, John and I cross our T's and dot our I's. Did you not expect us to have someone that would work in cybersecurity? Bitch, you've been warned. She says the bitch you've been warned in her confessional with the biggest smile. It is so funny. Monica in the scene goes, my corset is too tight for this shit. And Lisa goes, you guys, can we take this back to the house? And when he goes, I just think we need to end it. And Lisa's like, end it. And when he goes, this is like a whole thing that has to end. And Lisa's like, we're friends. We shouldn't be hurting each other in any capacity. Isn't it funny that we have this whole fight and then we're like, okay, let's call it. Let's call it a night. And everybody's like, we're friends. It's so bizarre. Heather in a confession goes, Listen, Meredith has a very sophisticated sophisticated game of pot storing. I mean, she's very into documents, but to think one of our friends has gone to the trouble to create a fake account to then send dirt DMs that they've dug up on one another of our friends to themselves is a huge bond boondoggle of deceit. That would be very weird behavior. Next time on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the Bermuda trip continues. And it, it it doesn't say concludes, continues. The ladies seem to be having a good time laughing, taking a boat ride, jumping in the ocean. Uh, there's another conversation about Meredith and the DMs. Heather's like, Heather's talking to her and she's like, I didn't send him. I didn't, you know, it's just, I did not send them. And Meredith finally yells, I'm getting really pissed off. And then we see in a scene with Whitney telling Heather, you exploited my sexuality in your book. And, and Heather's like, you sound like an idiot. When he says, you sound like an idiot. You sound like a hypocrite. And Heather goes, I'm an actual New York Times bestselling author. And I think you're a ridiculous bitch for even saying it. And then Heather pushes Whitney out of the way and chaos ensues. And I will say this. I do know once Stephen King started getting John Grisham as well, started getting on that bestseller list, they got a little, they got a little grabby, a little pushy, you know? So this does, you know, also, if you really notice closely, I was watching it on my computer and they have to blur out Whitney's nipple in that scene. Um, I've got a fantastic eye for detail, you guys. So that is the episode this week. I do want to talk a little bit about what Monica went on a tear with last night online. It made me kind of it made me sad. Uh, I think we all, you know, there's so much speculation about her right now, but this is what she wrote on Instagram. She said, I'm just going to say this production spoke with my family in Bermuda, communicated with them, met with them in Bermuda, went to their homes and visited with them. They signed stuff to film for my birthday and everything. So people claiming I don't have family there, or if it was, a, or 
It was a lie, can continue to believe what they wish. It will not change the truth. So that's what she says. So she says production was in on it. Her family was there. So even when I was like, who knows what the truth is? We now know her family was there. Production met with them. Then Vovo, Monica's mom, was tweeting last night. And Monica wrote this long uh, tweet saying, Linda, her mom, I called you tonight. No answer. But I see you're available, available here on an app where the world can continue to see this dysfunction. At that time, I did believe that you had something to do with it because Linda saying I had nothing to do with it. I can prove it in regards to her family not seeing her. Um, but she says at the time I did believe that you had something to do with it, which I told you on the phone a couple days ago, you then talked to me and showed me texts and we cleared it up. Now I know, however, that does not take away from what I felt and thought happened at that time. Yes, I know now in that moment, I did not know anything. I was blindsided and I felt humiliated and embarrassed and crushed. However, I still have no idea what happened and why they backed out. There you go. Your name is cleared. Looking at our relationship, your behavior on Twitter alone, you can see how me thinking that you could have been involved was not out of the realm of possibilities. You could have gone to Twitter and confirmed we have family there since people aren't believing it, but this is important too. Anyways, I hope you can sleep better now since I have told the whole truth. So help me God and I'll take all the help from God I can get right now. And then she did a triple heart emoji. So that's from Monica Garcia. Um, you know, Monica obviously is, uh, going, going through it and it seems like she's been going through it for a while, even before housewives. But like I said, Monica's that onion and we're peeling back a lot of layers and she's given a lot this season and, uh, you know, it's making us dig even deeper. And so it's really, really interesting. And it, it's a, a great study on what these kind of shows do to somebody new. And, uh, it'll be interesting to find out more information, but there is a lot coming out. So you guys, I hope you had fun. I hope you had a laugh. I hope we learned something together as a as a baddie family. Join us on Friday for a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap. Morgan Wade is back. She does a FaceTime call with Kyle. Uh, if you like this episode or podcast, please consider giving it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, and thank you guys. Thanks for letting me talk your ear off. Literally. Okay, bye. Bye. I am Crossman. I say goodbye. Goodbye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.